Guess what, cinephiles? I've just heard something absolutely mind-blowing. Okay, so you know when you search for something on Netflix, what you get is only a tiny fraction of what Netflix actually has. Netflix actually has more than 18,000 titles globally, but only like 6,000 of those are available in the U.S., so you're missing out on literally thousands of great shows, unless you use ExpressVPN. Yeah, Steve, ExpressVPN is an app that lets you change your online location. So like, for example, if you're looking for stuff that's from another country, you're based here in the United States, you actually change your online location to Australia or the UK so you can control where you want Netflix to think you're located. They have over 100 different locations. They're on ExpressVPN. So you can, you can gain access to like thousands of of new shows no matter where you live. And this works with many other streaming services too there. You guys have Disney Plus or Hulu or Max or the BBC iPlayer, which is the one I use. I know I've used ExpressVPN to connect to Australia because I really love this show called Have You Been Paying Attention? I just put myself in Melbourne and I get access to it. You sign up using your email, but you immediately get access to the stuff. I've used the BBC iPlayer to watch a number of shows there on the BBC like Law & Order UK and others. And sometimes this show Guilty that I love that uh, screens there, when the new seasons pop up, because it takes like four months to get them on PBS, I watch them there using ExpressVPN. And it's incredible how easy it is and how simple it is to use. So why should you use ExpressVPN? Well, first of all, it is super fast. That means you can stream everything in HD with no buffering. It works on any device. So I'm an Apple guy, which means I've already installed it on my Mac, on my iPhone, on my iPad, and on my Apple TV. I'd install it on my Apple Watch if I could, and it encrypts your data. Now, this is hugely important because it protects your privacy and your security to keep you safe from hackers. So stop missing out on great TV and get thousands of new shows with ExpressVPN. We got them to give you guys three extra months of free use when you use our special link, expressvpn.com slash cinephiles. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N.com slash C-I-N-E-F-I-L-E-S to get three extra months completely free. Hi, this is Steve. On December 18th, 2015, Disney released the first Star Wars movie in 10 years. And for many of us, it was the first real Star Wars movie in 32 years. The Force Awakens revitalized our love for the Star Wars universe and introduced a whole new generation to the ways of the Force. This Thursday, in theaters across the country, the saga will continue with Star Wars The Last Jedi. And I'm going to be there, just as I've been, for the opening night of every Star Wars movie since I stood in line for The Empire Strikes Back at the Corte Madera Cinema on May 21st, 1980. Star Wars, yes, it was just called Star Wars back then, was probably the most important cinematic event of my childhood, and everyone I knew couldn't wait to see how George Lucas would continue the story. Movie franchises are the norm today, but back then, sequels usually meant something cheap and exploitive, always failing to live up to the far more successful original. But this wasn't just any sequel. This was The Empire Strikes Back. The original Star Wars might be one of the most successful movies of all time, but the foundation of the franchise, in my opinion, is built on Empire. One of our favorite guests, Michael Vogel, joined us for our deep dive into A New Hope, so we thought it was only fitting to invite Michael back to explore the sequel. As always, you can buy The Empire Strikes Back or any other movie we've ever reviewed on our website, cinephiles.net. So, that's The Empire Strikes Back, 
with special guest Michael Vogel this Friday on The Cinephiles. Oh, and one more thing. A little warning. This one might come out a little bit later on Friday than usual. I've got an important movie to see Thursday night. Obi-Wan never told you what happened to your father. He told me enough. He told me you killed him. No. I am your father. Search your feelings. You know it to be true. No! No! Hello and welcome once again to The Cinephiles, where each week we enter the world of a great film. We explore its themes, the history, the filmmaking, and the influence it has on us today. My name is Steve Morris. I'm a filmmaker and directing instructor in Los Angeles, California. Hello, everyone. My name is John Roca. I'm a voiceover artist, host, producer, writer, and uh, numerous things here in Los Angeles, California. Uh, that's my life. Paying the bills. That's my life. <laughs> I notice it always sort of trails off. It starts yeah. off with a lot of steam, and then you feel like there's always like one more thing you should mm-hmm. list, and then it's because just... I, because I'm waiting for that one more thing to be able to say, and I don't yeah. have it yet. I haven't accomplished it yet, so I feel like I've got this like the little engine that could and I haven't got to the top of the mountain yet and I'd like to and I, and I get there and I'm like oh that's right I forgot I don't have that thing at the top of the mountain yet how about so, professional lacrosse player sure La- uh, high ally high ally boom oh yeah boom. that is a crazy sport um, but <laughs> um, we have a guest today who we are ignoring because we no. are welcoming back our most frequent guest uh, once again animation producer writer Michael Vogel welcome Michael. back to the Cinephiles I wanted to be like I'm an animation producer and writer so I had something that trailed off too, but I only have the two things. Um, well, you used to be an executive. <laughs> used to be an executive. You're an ex executive. Ex ex. Yeah. I'm an ex ex. Yeah, but you've made the post executive life work for you. Like yeah. a lot of people become executives and they hunt the next executive job whenever whatever happens, either they leave or they get fired. But you've like created a whole separate life outside the executive world where they almost respect you even more than they did before. I mean, the best thing in the world is going to Burning Man and having a spiritual experience and coming back and quitting your job. It really <laughs> works out. Like that is, I am the living proof that... Uh, Top ten does not condone this. uh, (laughs) (laughs) These are the points of views of Michael Vogel. Uh, I I don't. I don't. I don't know of a lot of people who uh, have gone from executive to the creative side the way you have. I I guess that's true. I guess there's not a lot. It's it was definitely a fun jump. I like it way more on this side. Uh, You get to work at home and uh, sit in your underwear and agonize over. Literally going to say the same thing. Yeah, Yeah. the pants are optional. Pants pants optional. It's pants optional jobs. I have discovered are the best jobs that you can have in life. Having stayed with Michael at Comic Con, I understand pants optional is a way of life. Yeah. Yeah. I Um, I love it when you say something and I think of like five stories that I could tell that would be super embarrassing and then I realize (laughs) that I'm your guest on the show so I can't actually say them but I have stories if anybody would like to hit me up later on Twitter. Subscribe to us on Patreon. (laughs) Oh shit. Wouldn't that be a story? Yikes. Um, And we we have brought Michael back because one of our favorite episodes uh, was with him which was for Star Wars Episode 4 New Hope and today we are doing the sequel Star Wars Episode 5 The Empire Strikes Back. That's right. 
right. Um, in, in honor of The Last Jedi. In honor of Last Jedi, which is out. coming out. Yeah. Uh, and so, of course, we cannot move forward in this saga without Michael Vogel. And right? I was really excited because I literally can't do anything else right now except think about Star Wars. Perfect. Uh, until we go to see the movie. So I'm kind of <laughs> obsessing over it. So might as well sit and talk about it with you guys because that's all I'm going to be thinking about anyway. And we're, li- what, we're a little bit over 24 hours away from going to see it. Yeah, right? a little bit over. Yeah, yeah, yep. a little bit yep. tomorrow night. We were, how, how many? How many? How many are rolling in our crew? We night? bought tickets uh, to see Last Jedi at the Grove, and we bought sixty-five tickets. Wow! So there is uh, there's sixty-five people going to I see heard the movie 66. together. Six. Like, order 66, which would be perfect. Oh, God. You know what? Now I really want to go find another <laughs> ticket just so we can be order 66. That's awesome. Um, Michael, do you remember how you first saw The Empire Strikes Back? I actually do. Uh, it's one of my earliest movie memories, and it's kind of embarrassing, but I, the thing that I remember the most about it is my dad took me to see Empire Strikes Back as a young father, super excited to take his son to see this amazing sequel, and I got really, really scared. So uh, around you were like three, right? Yeah. So I was scared. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, but I mean, I still actually remember this. He was like super into the movie, and I remember turning to him, and you know, I know what it was. What are they? What are they called? Uh, the pig aliens. They're uh, the porgs. Not the porgs. The porgs are amazing, and they're going to be awesome. No, uh, on Cloud City, there's the alien race that are the. Pigs. The, the like minor, yeah, and yeah, I can't, yeah, I yeah, actually yeah. know the name because uh, they're in the comics a lot. But at any rate, your nerd, your nerd my nerd, card, my is nerd card is going down. But yeah. they they freaked me out. Boba Fett didn't freak me out. Darth Vader, I was fine. Those oh. little guys scared me, and I made my dad leave and take me home before wow. he got what? to experience the big reveal of wow. like the biggest reveal in movie history. Wow, so, that's surprising. So I yeah, so I I, I did I remember seeing it. That's my earliest memory, and then obviously later in life watched it. Multiple, 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 multiple times. Mm. What about you? Uh, it's the first time uh, I ever went to see a Star Wars film in the theater. Uh, oh. I made my parents take me because I had seen, like we've talked about, I saw A New Hope on TV on CBS, uh, Movie of the Week or ABC Movie of the Week. And uh, so I was like super jazzed to have my parents take me to the theater. So we went and saw it. And um, I didn't, like, I got it, but I didn't get it. You know what I'm saying? Because I was still kind of still young enough to be like wowed by everything. But the father thing was confusing to me because he kissed his sister and like it was I, I couldn't. Well, you process. didn't know that it was. His you didn't sister. know. Right, it was his no, sister I didn't know. Right, but but that whole thing is like I don't know because they're having the love triangle, right? So you're like, well, why is he with? Why is she kissing him? So it just was an interesting exploration. So and love then, triangles confuse you? Yeah, well, they did at the time. Yeah, because I was like, I was told only one woman ever yeah, for the history of my life. I was growing up Catholic, you know. But like, uh, but that whole thing, and then later on with the dad stuff. So, but for me, I just remember the sh- the um, the expanse of the movie, and I love the the ad ad stuff is what I remember most. The swinging around with the uh, with yeah. the cable and tripping them to me as a kid that was amazing. This something the size could fall down like that. And the Falcon and the stuff and that little that huge ass creature that comes out of the hole and almost bites it, bites the Falcon as it's escaping. So there are a lot of images that have stayed with me from the from the first time I saw it and Chewie's yell when the doors close and it off. So those things have always have always they're like touchstones for me. And then rewatching it again for the podcast, which is like the millionth time we watched it. Those touchstones still move me and especially the the dad stuff. My God, that still gets to me. Yeah. By Um, the way. Yes. Ugnots, Ugnots. Just so, just so I re- regain a little sliver of my cred. Ugnots. I didn't want to correct you, but I, I would never have gotten that 
and um and this is the thing is like is is you know i know some, sometimes i feel you know my job on this show is to like bring a lot of knowledge right, right i'm not the biggest i'm a huge star wars fan but i don't have a lot of star wars geek cred like i would never have come up with ugnaughts oh i don't yeah i like my Ooh. my deep my knowledge doesn't run that deep understood um, you don't go past like ewoks and gamorian guards no, that's about it for me. Yeah, did, did Fortuna. Yeah, because I wasn't a, I wasn't the toy collector. Okay. I didn't actually read the comic books. I didn't read Star Wars books. I knew the movies, but I didn't like go in deep. Like like if this were a Star Trek podcast, but you know, like IG eighty eight. What's IG eighty eight? What? Oh wow, the bo- the the bounty hunter that's in the movie with with uh, Boba and. Uh... Oh, okay. Bosk. Bosk, yeah, the lizard guy. I always See, forget the lizard guy. That's guy's what I'm name. saying. I don't have all these names at my fingertips. I was going to say I had a lot of toys. Yeah, I never <laughs> had the toys. Um, I, I saw it in the theater. I'm pretty sure I saw it opening day. Oh, wow. Uh, which I also saw. I know I saw Jedi opening day. Um, and I'm pretty sure I saw this. And it just was, you know, this movie was everything to me. As was Star Wars. Yeah. Star Wars. And the, and, and, and the thing we should talk about, I don't think there had ever been anything like uh, this kind of a sequel because there had never been a movie like Star Wars. Mm-hmm. It had completely it was the it was the most successful film of all time. It had come out of nowhere. We're at the end of the seventies, and previous to this time, sequels I think had been different. Yeah, um, which is you look at Jaws two or or you look at um, you know. Uh, the the James Bond ones are the only there was ones. That French Connection similar. too. There yeah, was, it's like I mean, Godfather two is really the only good one that had, yeah, you could argue. Yeah, you know? you know, most of them, most of the time, sequels. The job of it, or even later on, you have like Die Hard two and right, Beverly right. Hills Cop two and all these. Their job is to recapture whatever the first one did, and the end of those movies have have endings which are endings, mm-hmm. and you're done. And then you have to figure out how am I going to get John McClane back into a horrible situation? Right. How am I going to get another shark to come and attack people? And 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 this movie is really really different. What they attempt to do, which is to create a franchise, and in particular, I think the biggest thing we'll talk about it a, a lot is they knew they were making a third, so they don't have to end it. The mm-hmm. way that all those other movies have to reach, because you get in this weird thing, like the Die Hard movies are a perfect example of, we have to tear everything apart and then bring everything back together, and then in the next movie figure out how to do it again, yeah. and it doesn't really work as well, and that's not what this movie's trying to do. No, this what that's what I liked about this movie is that it introduced a bunch of new characters that were immediately legend, like immediately legend in, in the Star Wars lore, and you deepened the Darth Vader. Oh yeah, uh, thing like you, you start off with in the first film. Of course, Vader is scary, but in this film, he's like killing people left and right. Like this is a bad HR guy. Like just, just whatever. If you don't, if you don't satisfy him, like you're dead. You know, <laughs> that's the strangest <laughs> that's bad, bad HR for guy. Darth Vader. I'm just you're saying, really, you're like, really bringing some of your own stuff <laughs> to this analogy. I'm just saying, there's a lot of he's um, a lot of cases uh, with this guy. I think, and I think I probably talked about this when we discussed Star Wars: uh, A New Hope. But um, I think one of the other things that's interesting is when you think about it. Every other, even today, every other massive geek franchise that is discussed, whether it's the DC Universe or the Marvel Universe or Harry Potter or uh, any of those things, uh, even Star Trek as a movie franchise was based on something previous. There was a TV right. show, there yeah. was a book, you did there was talk a novel. About this and, and so I think what was cool, and I think what, what, what I don't have as much because I only saw it later in life, but what was cool is like going to see this franchise-level movie with these characters and things happened that like fucked your shit up like this yeah. wasn't just like a, oh, yeah. oh it's another great adventure you're like wait what's happening yeah. who got like it's just it's it was like 
it was like brutal. Like it's like this is this is crazy. You're taking these beloved characters that you thought had gotten through this thing, and it was like this shit got real. Yeah, yeah. and you go from like what we had had in the first film, right, which was a sandy planet, uh, and the way it all ends. And but then in this film, you like snow planet. You got a swamp planet. You got a planet or a city in the sky, a cloud city. So there's so much about it that was so well, interesting expand, for a yeah. kid's fascination or uh, imagination, rather. They expanded the so they expanded the universe in terms of locations. Yeah, they expanded the universe in terms of characters, and they expanded the universe in terms of depth of character yeah. and in terms of humor, which it happens really differently in this film. Um, and their relationships are stronger, absolutely. Because right from the beginning, it's Luke and Han out there. All of a sudden, now they're just like they're friends now, mm-hmm. and you get that, and they're out hunting together, out or like you know doing their rounds or whatever recon that they're doing. And then when stuff happens to Luke, it's Han who goes out to try to save yeah. him. You know. Um, let's do a little bit about pre-production. I think there are two huge, important decisions that George Lucas makes that are totally unique, I think, in, in terms of film. The first one is he decides to, to finance it independently. Mm. He's got so much money from Star Wars, and particularly from the merchandising, and he goes, I don't want to have to deal with the studios. I want them to release the movie. So he takes out a $25 million loan. Wow. Yeah. This is breaking the basic Hollywood rules. Yeah. I mean, Star Wars, they are the most expensive indie films of all time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they are. I mean, that's... So first, and and, and, as, and starts off as a $25 million movie. It goes $10 million over budget, and the, the, the bank wants to call in the loan. Like, there's a certain point where Lucas could lose everything on this movie. Wow. Yeah. I mean, so that's, that um, is an amazingly ballsy move. But that makes sense because his friends at that time are people like Spielberg and Coppola. Coppola just done the same thing a few years earlier with uh, Apocalypse Now. Yeah, like and, and Coppola was his mentor, like right. the, not in a way that like he was way older than him, but Coppola had this older kind of approach to the, to film, and so with, they always went to Coppola to c- talk stuff That's out, right. or, or come, and so Coppola would guide him and Spielberg all the time, and so it makes sense. He probably told uh, Lucas on numerous occasions, if you really give a shit about it, bet everything on it, you know, which is scary as hell. And the other big decision I think he makes that is just fascinating is. He's not going to direct it. Yeah. Well, I, when has that ever happened? Guy directs the most successful movie of all time. We're going to make the sequel. And he goes, no, I'm going to produce it, but I'm going to get someone else to direct it. Right. I mean, there are ones where someone has walked away and not been on the sure. project, sure. but not where they haven't. Or even in the recent one, J.J. Kathleen wanted another director for the second one. Right. And J.J. said, okay, I'll EP. And so... It's not usually where you willingly walk away from the situation. It's more a matter of like you negotiate something or you get fired, right? Or they don't want you back or you're too expensive. But in this case, yeah. And I think most of us agree that really good decision. (laughs) Absolutely. I mean, I'm not not taking anything away. I mean, like, listen, it's one of those things. George Lucas, again, and we've talked about this before too, but he... For whatever, for whatever you're gonna say about the prequels or your is, mm. your, your issues with George Lucas's creative choices, like he single handedly created one of the greatest, hugest, biggest movie universe franchises and basically built the blockbuster. So, yeah, yeah. all props to him. All that being said, the movie that we're about to talk about would not be the movie that it is right had that happened. Yeah, yeah, I think it's a really smart decision, and he brings in a really interesting choice to direct it, which is Irvin Kirshner. Yeah, who. It's a, I mean, first of all, he was his teacher at USC. Yeah, he was Lucas's teacher, yeah. Yeah, and I'm still waiting for one of my students to <laughs> hand me you know, the keys to a giant franchise to direct a, a huge movie. It hasn't happened yet. <laughs> Would you really want that? Where the, where the student is all of a sudden telling you what to do? Is EPing you? 
You'd yes. be okay with that? All yeah. right. If a I'm student right. handed me Star Wars, right. it said direct the next Star Wars. I'm gonna go. It's a I'm lot of go, pressure. I'm gonna go back to Gainesville and ask my uh, high school physics teacher, Miss Boer, to uh, write an episode of My Little Pony. So, oh wow, well, she'd do great. She was she a great was, teacher. She was a great teacher, Miss <laughs> Boer. Um, if you're out there, Miss Boer, good job. Yeah. Uh, props to Mrs. Boer. <laughs> um, and <laughs> hashtag yeah. <laughs> um, uh, and Irving Kirshner, his you know he directed things like The Return of the Man Called Horse and mm. Eyes of Laura Mars, and they're all these sort of indie, quirky, none of them huge movies in any way. Mm-hmm. And he gets handed the keys to this giant spectacle, which, by the way, he said no to at first. Of course, and, he then, did. and then his agent said, uh, "No, you're going <laughs> to do this." Um, and he ends up being a really, really good choice. Yeah. Um, apparently, Lucas did write a script. Um, I'm assuming that that is not a good one, um, being that he's not a very good writer. Well, what does that mean? Do you mean that they they used another script for this? Oh, oh let's course. talk about this. Of course, because they bring in uh, Lawrence Kasdan, right? And I think he is one of the heroes of Empire Strikes Back. So Kasdan, does he write it from scratch or does he use George's? Well, this is as what I template? don't know. Yeah, I, I think because when in Lucas's in interviews with him, he talks about the script that he was writing for Empire, mm-hmm. and then and then Kirshner says Kasdan wrote. Uh, Kasdan wrote the script from scratch. Wow. And uh, Kasdan says, I wrote the script. He never mentions anything about a Lucas script. <laughs> so so what the relationship between these scripts are, I don't really know. Right. And and I have heard that, uh, and I again, this is just hearsay of like sure. talking to people I hear, but like uh, that the Empire is Lucas's least favorite Star Wars movie. Wow. Um, yeah. And like, I don't know if that's true or not. And so George can call me and tell me if I'm wrong. But uh, but I, But what I've heard is that Maybe because he had written what he wanted Empire to be, and then the movie that ended up becoming Empire is mm. not, to some degree, we don't know how big or how small what he thought it was, so it's never quite sat right with him. Yeah, and that makes, and I wonder how much of, as an EP, I wonder how much his approval of the story points was important in the process as they went along. Like, who came up with the idea of Luke being his father? Like, obviously, that wasn't something Lucas necessarily had thought ahead of with. New Hope. So, what? Yeah, there you go. There you go. That's well, right. this is a whole discussion we had when we talked yeah. about A New Hope yeah. was what did Lucas know and when did he know it? And right. he, it seems like he knew some of it, certainly didn't seem to know all of it. Right. You know, um, and uh, Kasdan is, a you know, obviously a great writer. He, his, the first screenplay he sold, he stole in the mid-70s. It was The Bodyguard oh. for Diana Ross and Steve McQueen. And that movie went wow. into development hell for 20 years. Wow. Before they finally made it with Costner and Whitney Houston. <laughs> that's insane. I Isn't didn't know that? that. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's his script. And then he gets hired first to write Raiders. And then while he's working on Raiders, that's when they hand him Empire. Um, and uh, and I, I, he's such a great writer-director and has that great wit and understands genre in a great way. And I, I really think he's one of the one of the people that really makes this the movie that it is. He has such a distinct voice, too. I like to listen to him in interviews. He's just like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, when I was doing Empire. <laughs> he was like, oh, my God, this is incredible. <laughs> yeah. Shall we, uh, shall we dive into the film? Yeah. Uh, again, that starts with that great John Williams oh, God. chord. There's nothing better. In well, the and, world. and actually, and I mean, I was just talking about this the other day with somebody. I, I John Williams is just one of the greatest heroes of all film, as far as I'm concerned. But he he does Star Wars, and he comes up with one of the most iconic movie scores of all time, 
Right. And then just goes ahead and doubles down and comes up with like three or four new themes for Empire mm. that are just, you got the, you got the Yoda Force theme, you've got the Han and Layeth love theme, you've got the Imperial March. Imperial like all these March, things. man. And you're just like, you, how do you, I don't understand. Yeah. Like, I just don't understand how these, um, it just keeps getting better. Well, it, yeah. I mean, I don't, I, I don't know who we've spoken about the most on the cinephiles, but John Williams is up there. Yeah. Yeah. Because we've talked, we talked about him with, about Superman and Star Wars. Uh, we talked about him about Jaws. Jaws. We talked about Raiders. Right. I mean, like, I, and Superman. Yeah. That's John Williams' score too, it which just, he did with Michael. Yeah. It just, uh, you never stop. Like, I don't know if it's going to get boring us saying this guy is one of the great geniuses of film of all time, but he is. I think he's untouchable, and everyone knows it, so they enjoy any accolades about him. Yeah. Uh, we get a scroll. This is the first time, by the mm-hmm. way, we see an episode number, episode five, mm-hmm. which Lucas always wanted, and the the studio had, on Star Wars had said, "No, no, no, we can't, we can't do that. That's crazy." Um, and now we get to um, some destroyers, and they're sending out some droids. Yep. Um, down to the ice planet of Hoth. Yep. Yeah. Battle and drive. I believe in the scroll, we do get that Vader is now obsessed over Luke. Oh, that's right. Yeah, like that's, that's right. one of the one of the key things about it is that, that Darth Vader has become obsessed yeah. with Luke Skywalker after he blew up the Death Star. Right. Right. And we go to a top down shot of a little tiny Luke on a little tiny Tauntaun, some nice little stop motion uh, in front of really beautifully painted background yep. uh, matte paintings. Yeah. Um, it looks very cold. <laughs> yes. It's an ice planet. They're, they shot it in, on a glacier in Norway. Holy crap! It's like twenty below. Good Ooh. God. It, it sounds brutal. Yeah. No wonder Irving didn't want to do it. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, and apparently there's a scene. There's a scene in it where, where uh, a little later, where Luke is running away from the Wampa, where it's in the huge snowstorm. They they had woken up that morning and there was such a huge blizzard. There was like a bank of snow right in front of the hotel. They couldn't really leave the hotel. So what they did was they sent Luke uh, in costume. Just running away from the hotel, and they all stood in the doorway with the camera <laughs> shooting because they didn't want to go outside, and the cameras would freeze. So they all stayed where it was nice and warm and That's made Mark, Mark Hamill just run out into the snow. It was cold. <laughs> um, Luke sees something kind of go down in the distance. He gets on the radio with Han and says, I'm going to go check this out. Mm-hmm. Goes off to do that and gets attacked by the Wampa. This arm comes out of nowhere and hits him in the face. Oh, this scared the crap out of me. Oh yeah, I had this toy. Oh, did you? And you always like I oh, like Wampa the Star Wars. Yeah, I, I had the, the. This is a. I don't know if they did it with New Hope, but they had all these little diecast sets. So you would get like a little panorama, mm. tw- like a little a little mini playset, and then you would get like the little metal. One, so I had a metal Wampa, and I had a metal Luke that you could hang upside down inside of it. Oh, and that's yeah. awesome! Thing. It was oh wow! Really, really awesome. I remember this commercial. Yep. I remember yeah. that toy. Yeah. Um, uh, so yeah, so Luke gets captured by the Wampa. Yeah. We go back to uh, the uh, the Rebel base. Han comes riding in. And you could see right here, this is a bigger movie. Yeah. I mean, this is a big set, and it looks really cool. And once again, you get the relationship there because they have communications between them as mm-hmm. they're before Luke gets hit. There's this back and forth. And Luke wants to stay out there, which is, of course, one of those things about Luke. Luke is always looking to push the boundaries of what he can do. He always wants to do an extra little bit to prove he belongs, to prove he's worthy whatever and so that just makes so much sense han did does what he does and he's rolled he's rolling that's yeah. han that's perfect han he's, he's not gonna stick out there and waste any extra time doing anything and they do an interesting thing here because you know you get to the end of new hope and han solo has now like stopped being a 
solo guy. Sure, sure. Uh, and he came back and he helped Luke and he kind of, you know, quote unquote, joined the rebellion. And so right off the bat in this movie, even though he's been with the rebellion, however long, I mean, however long it's been between the two movies, he's been doing it. The very first thing he does is kind of say, all right, I'm out of here. I got to go pay Jabba. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I'm done. I'm not doing this anymore. Like, and so you, you kind of get him right back to, even though he's a hero and he's a good guy, they, they set him right back to, mm-hmm. I'm my own person. I've been here a little bit, but I'm not part of your rebellion. I, I, got, my, I got my own life to deal with. Yeah. Well, and who is he most aware of, I would say, in the scene where he's saying he's leaving? Well, he's aware of Leia, and also Leia's throwing some looks his way. Like yeah. you, you, and it's the, it's one of those amazing things. Like without without a ton of dialogue, you instantaneously get mm-hmm. that this relationship has progressed. Yeah. Well, and we don't quite know how it's progressed, but there are looks going on there, and it mm-hmm. seems to me. And this is part of my question: is was he is he saying he's leaving because he's leaving, or is he saying he's leaving because he wants Leia to say stay? I think the answer is yes. <laughs> yeah. Cause, cause she, and, and she's not giving him an inch. She's mm-hmm. giving nothing. He's like, you know, we need you. We need you? No. What about you need? Or what about you need? I need. I don't know what you're talking about. Probably do. And what precisely am I supposed to know? Come on. You want me to stay because of the way you feel about me? Yes. You're a great help to us. You're a natural leader. No. That's not it. Come on. Ah, uh, come on. You're imagining things. Am I? Then why are you following me? Afraid I was gonna leave without giving you a goodbye kiss? I just assumed it's a Wookiee. I can arrange that. You can use a good kiss. Yeah, princess. Well, and again, and this is what's amazing about Star Wars and Princess Leia as a character is. You know, we've gone through years and years and years of female representation on film and the Bechdel test and everything else. And yet here you have this character who this is not the girl who's crying and saying, oh, but I want you to stay because I love you so much. Like, if anything, Han needs a lot more emotional attention than Leia. She's not given an inch. And she's like, I'm not I'm not I'm not dealing with emotions. We got we got shit to do. Right. And she's continuing like, what do you want from me? Yeah. And, And it's funny. I don't know why. That watching it this time, it hit me so hard of like, Han Solo is petulant, mm-hmm. needy, arrogant, insecure, like all, all of this. And it's particularly with this, he's so desperate mm-hmm. for Leia's love and for approval and not to look bad. And, it's, and on the one hand, he's a great hero. And on the other hand, he's got all this stuff oh, yeah. that's coming out. Yeah, it's hilarious to watch. Well, he's a scoundrel. So he's going to do those things. He's going to be that way because he'll never run his own thing, but he'll dance around in this uh, Peter Pan-like existence where he rebels constantly against authority, where he, he shoots his mouth off, questions everything. You know, He just has his way except, of existing. Except that I think the thing that's great about Han Solo is I think if you ask Han Solo, he'll tell sure, you very sure. loudly that he's a scoundrel. Yeah. Although every single thing he does yeah, actually true. goes against that. Like Lando Calrissian's a scoundrel. Right. And I love Lando, but we'll get to it later. But, like, he does some scoundrelly things. Han, um, yeah. he's like, I'm a scoundrel. I'm a bad guy. But I've been helping the Rebellion for a long time. But I'm out of here. I don't need you. But also, like, are you jealous? Because I feel like you want me to stay. And if you want me to stay, like, I'll do it. And, uh, and I mean, so it's just like he's, he's the nicest, most lovable scoundrel that there's yes. ever been. Absolutely. Well, and I think he's desperate for love and approval. And he is he's putting on the veneer of scoundrelness yeah. to protect himself from getting hurt. Sure. You know, and then he, he, as soon, but as soon as you give him love, he's right there for you. You know, 
He actually doesn't want to be a scoundrel. Yeah. Well, he wants people to think he's a scoundrel. Right. He's not a scoundrel. He is a nerf herder. Okay. <laughs> scruffy looking. <laughs> scruffy looking. Um, uh, we see R2 and C3PO again. Um, and, and of course, they're about to leave. And Chewie is now taking apart stuff on the, on the Falcon. Yeah. Which also makes me go like, was he really planning on leaving? Or was he not? Um, and, uh, and that's when we hear that uh, Luke has not come back. Yeah. That we can't find him. You know where Commander Skywalker is? I haven't seen him. It's possible he came in through the south entrance. It's possible. Why don't you go find out? It's getting dark out there. Yes, sir. And immediately you see the switch in Han Solo's yep. character. Immediately. Now he's... And you see the leadership. You say, well, go find out. And now he's going to get on a tauntaun. He's going to ride out to look for him. Again, mm-hmm. I have to leave. I'm a selfish person. Oh, my friend hasn't come back. Nobody else will go outside. And then he's like, well, then I'll see you in hell. And he goes out there. Like, so yeah. again, not really a scoundrel. That, kind of an awesome guy. That okay. I'll see you in hell is great. Yep. Yeah, it's just a great one. Your tauntaun will freeze before you reach the first marker. Then I'll see you in hell. Yeah. Uh, we get to Luke in the position of your toy. Yes. <laughs> Every time I watch up. the movie, I'm like, that's no toy. That's my toy. <laughs> he's hanging upside down. And this is the first moment that we see the Luke used the force in in this way mm-hmm. and it's so small and so cool and was so exciting to me as a 12 year old like him reaching out for that lightsaber and it's mm-hmm. starting to shake in the ice and snow and is he going to get it in time right. and you see the shot of the wampa it's different we have by the way of course we know there are different versions of this film and by the way this is one of the as far as all the things that George Lucas did when he made the adjustments to the original trilogy, this is one that actually, I think, is a solid one, and it's fine. Like, it actually... It's a, mm. it's a cool shot of the Wampa. You yep. get to see him a little bit more clearly than you did. Like, right. there's some things that he did that I really don't love, but most of the changes he made in Empire uh, were solid, and this was one of them. Yeah. I, th- I think Empire comes pretty unscathed, to be honest. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, and the, the thing about the moving of the lightsaber, that echoes into Force Awakens. That move, and there's things that are laid out in Empire Strikes Back that will color every other installment of Star Wars that comes afterwards. There are things that they do in Empire Strikes Back that you can see echoing through. And uh, that is one of those movies that was unique when we watched it the first time, but we've seen it so many times yeah. now. Yeah, I to- totally, totally agree. He, the, the, the lightsaber comes to him, he cuts himself out from the ice, the wampa's coming to get him, he cuts an arm off, Oof. and he is away. We're back at the base. All patrols are coming in. They're going to close things down. Uh, there's a great moment, by the way, where two of the rebel guys are talking about that Luke hasn't come back, and they're like, oh, keep your voice down, because Princess Leia is right over yep. there. Mm. Um, and this is where you get your Chewie yell that you were talking about. Yes. This, yeah. is, the, this is that awesome moment. Like, yeah, because they have to close the doors, because the Empire's, or the, uh, what, the Empire's, like, they spotted them, or they no, see them? No, I think them? this is just too cold. No, it's just, just too cold? Yeah, just, okay. Okay. Too cold. you have to close okay. the thing, because it's too cold. And, and like they're like, nobody's going to survive out there, it's too cold. And you kind of get... You get yeah, because you get those two rebel guys talking about Leia. So you see that Leia is clearly worried about both of them. Yeah. You got three PO just being like, "Let me tell you the odds about right. how they're not going to survive." You got R two sad beep, and then you got Chewie's yell. So you kind of touch in with all, each mm-hmm. of your main kind of the, this little family that's formed and see how they all feel about these two being trapped out there. Actually, R two has been known to make mistakes from time to time. And it's a great emotional and kind of sonic sound build to the moment of the door closing and Chewie's yell. Yeah. And, and, and we see Chewie's character got a lot deeper. The, like the relationship between him and Han got solidified in this mm-hmm. movie. 
they bicker like a couple a lot more yeah, in this movie yeah. than they did. Like there was a little bit of that in in, uh, in in the first one, but they really this is where you get that relationship yeah. really really clearly. It's yeah. a lived in relationship. Um, the also Chewie's hair looks a lot better in this movie. <laughs> um, does it? It it. I mean, like though when, when Chewie in in the first one kind of you know has got a really kind of flat round hair down look, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden this one you start looking at it and his hair is in his face and he's got things going on like there's got some he's got some more style he's a yeah. little bit more scruffy I kind of like what kind of product do you think of, I mean it's uses? clearly L'Oreal <laughs> <laughs> um, a little bit of Vidal Sassoon that's right this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Hello, Cinephiles fans. You know, we all kind of walk around with these stressors, big, small, medium in our lives that are triggered sometimes by frustrations at work or frustrations at our job or just frustrations overall about our life. Because sometimes you know this, if you compare, you despair and you just want to live a life that's a little bit more clean and accepting of yourself and a little more open to receiving positive messages for yourself so you can have that life that you want to live and have that great work-life balance. And it's not always easy. And for me, for years and years, I thought all of this stress, all of this hardship, I had to just carry on my own, that this is what it meant to be a man. And it was finally getting therapy where I realized like, oh, I don't have to carry that stuff. There's a place where I can unburden myself and actually get advice and guidance about how to deal with it better in the future. Yeah, Steve, you and I have spoken very proudly about how therapy has helped both of of us deal with our stressors in our lives. And if any of you are listening to us who are thinking of starting therapy, well, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and it's suited to your schedule. All you have to do is to fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. And you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge if things aren't working out, which I think is a great benefit. So get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Cinephiles today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash C-I-N-E-F-I-L-E-S. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress. Instead of perfection, you don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. And we're back to Luke, who's stumbling through the snow. He's clearly freezing. He falls down. And he has the vision. Yep. He's, he's, he's falling down, and the vision is of... Luke! Yeah. Now, how much of this was added by... Was this always there, all the stuff? Because sometimes when you watch something, certain things hit you in a certain way. Like, how ben? much of... No, this was always there. All yeah, the Ben stuff was there? Yeah. Okay. No, always there. Yeah. Day one. All right. Well, first of all, I think Alec Guinness is dead by the time he did the uh, special edition. So... No, well, no, no, no. I know that, but it could have been stuff he shot and then added in or whatever. Right. No, so, no, no, this, no, was, no, this was, was always there. there. Yeah. Um, and and so he has that vision, and we have Han out looking. And yeah. tells him to go see Yoda. 
Oh, yes, I'm sorry. Right. Important, important bit of yes. information there, yeah. which is the you've got to go see Yoda yeah. on Dagobah. Right. And as, as Ben is telling him to go to Dagobah, what do we see? We see Han. We see yeah. Han. Han arrives and goes through the vision yeah. uh, at the last minute at, when uh, Luke's at his end. And uh, by the way, I was, uh, the, one of the commentary tracks has the sound guy, uh, and I love some of the sound stuff. The Tauntaun sound is a sea otter. Oh, is it? Yeah. That makes sense. Having watched enough of those documentaries. Uh, and as Han goes to run to Luke, Tauntaun goes down. Yeah. <laughs> and we don't really care that much about him. And Han's choice to keep his good friend warm is one of the grossest things I had ever seen in my right. life. And yeah. also, important thing, Uh-oh. the inside of a Tauntaun looks like rice pudding. What? <laughs> Just so we're all clear. Like, every time I've ever eaten rice pudding in my life, I go, that's Tauntaun guts. Just so, just so everybody can think about that. Thank you for ruining rice pudding for all of the Ew. cinephiles listeners. Yeah. <laughs> like, that just, he, he, and also Han uses the lightsaber, which mm-hmm. I thought, like, when I was a kid, I thought that was super cool. Super yeah. cool. Like, Han, like, grabbed it and was like, oh, he can use it too. And he, like, slices him open and that really, and the rice pudding comes so out. Awful. And then he crawls inside. Uh, I thought this smelled bad. On the outside. Yeah. On the outside. On the inside. <laughs> um, Next morning, we got a pilot out looking for him. Very important in filmmaking that they, they're calling out on the radio. You don't have an answer back right at the first time, not right at the second time. And then they answer back and, good morning. And you also do get a sense in that shot just the vastness of this place. Yeah. yeah. You know, you see that, you see that snow speeder like flying out over everything. And it's just like, man. Yeah. We're back to the base. We're in this medical lab. Uh, Luke is in some water thing, I think, because he has like... It's a back-to-tank. Back-to-tank. See, yeah, I just, don't know all just these things. So you, just in case you were curious. Yeah. yeah, no, I, yeah well, keep, 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 keep giving me these names. <laughs> I don't know them all. Um, he's doing a lot better, and Han comes to check on him. And and also, by the way, just an important bit of uh, you know behind-the-scenes stuff is this is how they dealt with the whole uh, Mark Hamill... Motorcycle accident. Oh, right. So that is so. So Lucas says it's not, but everyone else says it is. Yeah, yeah. yeah that he had he had been injured in an accident. His face looked a little different, and this is a way to get around it. Yeah. Yep. When Makes you sense. were a kid, did you notice that he looked different? I didn't really notice that he looked different. So probably it was a bunch of people behind the scenes, kind of maybe overthinking stuff. But it is kind of an interesting. I noticed he did, and I, he looked more. He looked older. He looked more weathered. And so I rem- that to me just added to the character that he was yeah. doing. So I didn't know anything about the accident though until years later, the the motorcycle. Cause yeah, he, I didn't cause, either. Because he'd done Corvette Summer in between both these films, and it was I think it was on one of the breaks from Corvette Summer that he got into oh, the accident. Yeah, I think so. And of course, Leia's there, and Han is still continuing <laughs> to play these odd games with Leia. Yeah. Well, your worship, looks like you managed to keep me around for a little while longer. I had nothing to do with it. General Rykin thinks it's dangerous for any ships to leave the system until we've activated the energy field. That's a good story. I think you just can't bear to let a gorgeous guy like me out of your sight. I don't know where you get your delusions, laser brain. (laughs) Laugh it up, fuzzball. And then also we get the weird thing that when you look at the bigger trilogy and the Skywalker family tree... You get this weird kiss that has always just been a weird one for everybody. Yeah, because it wasn't just a peck. She grabbed his face and like, went in on there. It is weird. It and, is it, weird. and look, and this is just one of the, this is one of the main reasons why I think that uh, 
and I'm super happy about it. I love the Skywalker family, but I think that the Leia part of it was added. Later. And they love each other, and yeah. they clearly love each other. I don't think that. Uh, I don't think that anybody was going for a Jamie and Cersei Lannister moment here. I think right. they didn't know, and they were like, "This is a movie, and we're doing this love triangle." And then later they were like, "Oh, we're gonna do this thing. It's gonna be really cool if Leia's his sister." Uh, we'll just ignore that. Yeah. I'm I'm of two minds about it because that's how I feel too. But then you know, character wise, um, Luke and Leia don't know their brother and sister, and right. she is clearly in love with Han and clearly wanting doing this move to make him jealous. It's not that she's actually attracted right. to Luke. You know what? And again, this is just probably like the you know, writer preference objective. I think that. It, the the issue with Star Wars is that it's just never addressed. Like when Luke and Leia, and they, it's not really the right time to do it. Mm-hmm. When he tells her, I mean, when this is getting up, jumping ahead of Jedi, but it's like at some point you want somebody in the movie to be like, "Man, things were weird." Now that we know yeah. about the whole brother sister thing, <laughs> no, it's, a, it's a little strange. You know, remember that time yeah. on Hoth? And you're like, "Oh yeah, let's not talk about it." Sis, couple of rebel soldiers, well, <laughs> dude. He kissed his sister, dude. I don't know. What's the force like? This is weird. She clearly, by the, the she cult. she kissed him. Right, right. Of course, of course, of course. Um, sure, sure. <laughs> um, and you get you get the the great half witted, scruffy looking nerf herder. Yep, yep. Who's scruffy looking? This is great. I love all that and stuff. Laugh it up, fuzzball. Laugh it up, fuzzball. And this is where these characters are just they have they're having so much fun. And how much mm-hmm. of it is Kazdin, and how much of it is them on the set? I don't really know, but you you, you got to love these guys. Well, you know, Harrison said that you know Lucas's dialogue is so wooden, and you know being able to do. Being able to have a little more freedom in Empire Strikes Back, I'm sure, was like so welcome to all of them. So oh, yeah. they were able to create the family that you mentioned. Yeah. Well, and by the way, Lucas didn't even come to the set. <laughs> he never came to the set, is my understanding. Well, no, that's my understanding, too, is that he never did come to the set. And so then when what? he finally did check in and said, say, oh, how's my movie going? And then he saw it and he was like, the hell is this? <laughs> this is not. Yeah. What? There, it's his dad? What the crap? <laughs> he knew that. Okay, okay. <laughs> he did know that. Um, Do these people know their brother and sister? Do these fucking people know? Uh, they've spotted the droid, so Han and Chewie go out to check it out. Yeah. Uh, Chewie sticks his head up and yells. <laughs> this is where I go. So this whole thing is Chewie's fault. Yeah, like, why basically. does he do that? Uh, Han, <laughs> That's a good one. I, we established on our last podcast that you do great sound That's effects. It's <laughs> really good. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that was very good. Yeah, it's good. Stop though. Spend some time on Kashyyyk. <laughs> Kashyyyk. So we go back to base, and now we know that uh, the Empire is coming. Yes. By the way, the guy had great voiceover. That guy who does it. Well, there's only so much we can do. We gotta get off the base. Like that guy has a great voiceover. Mm, yeah. Voice guy. Uh, I don't know if he's a voiceover guy, but he had a great voice. And now we have we've seen the Imperial destroyers, and now we get to see Vader's ship. Yeah. <laughs> They really like Vader was bad in the first one, and they just doubled down on this oh one. God. I mean, he is just badass. Like, it's yeah. just amazing. Well, because in the first one, they do this weird thing that he's not in charge. You know, right? There's someone else in charge, and he's sort of a kind of a wild card mm-hmm. in the first one. In this one, he is in charge. Yeah. yeah, he has an awesome ship. He has a new piece of music that we hear every time uh. we see him, and it is it is epic. Yeah, absolutely epic. And and he is certain. That's it. The rebels are there. My lord, there are so many uncharted settlements. It could be smugglers. It could that be... That is the system. And I'm sure Skywalker is with them. 
Set your course for the Hoth system. General Veers, prepare your men. Now, how does he know that? How does Beta? Because he senses him? He yeah. Senses Skywalker I mean, what you really get, I mean, again, it's sort of like what, it's sort of the other side of the coin of what you were talking about, about seeing Luke with the lightsaber. Like, right. the Force is talked about a lot in the first movie, and you mm-hmm. see, you know, the, the choke, choke you see the choke, and you see the stuff like that, but like, and you see Obi-Wan Kenobi doing some things, but like, this is where, A, Luke is using the Force and he gets the lightsaber, but B, all of a sudden, Darth Vader just starts going, that's it. Go right. here. Yeah. This is it. And you just buy it and accept, like, he's using the Force. Mm-hmm. He knows what he's doing. Mm-hmm. But what we're going to, you know, just like, you know, when Superman premiered, he could jump over a building and a bullet would bounce off of him. And that was it. And over time, it got his powers got bigger. Mm-hmm. In Empire, the Force takes a big step up. Yeah. yeah. Big, huge step up into what it actually means. Uh, Luke gets out of medical um, and he says goodbye to Chewie. He has a nice moment with Han. Um, the Star Destroyer fleet comes out of hyperspace. Yep. Uh, maybe they came out a little too close. Yeah. And we prepare for ground assault. This battle is so cool. Oh, yeah. I loved it so much as a kid, and watching it a couple days ago, it's still great. Well, yeah. because we didn't have ground assault in the first movie. Right. No. You know, I mean, you had, you had a bunch of stuff on Tatooine. You had some stormtroopers running around, and then you've got all the space stuff, and you've got the Death Star stuff, but you right. don't have this, and so all of a sudden you got this, and the Adats yeah. were just one of the greatest inventions of Star Wars. Absolutely. And the whole sequence... And like you were saying, like the whole yep. sequence of like the snow speeders kind of like tying him up. It's like, and this is where Star Wars never loses that sense of fun. It's like you've got these huge, uh, you know, things on each side that are shooting lasers and all this stuff. But like the way that they figure out how to do it is something that a five-year-old would do. Yeah, like yeah, I yep. tripped you. Yep. yep. Yeah. Um, and, and by the way, this is Lucas. I'm confident that the design of the Adats mm. and this this whole way of attacking, I think this comes out. This is where he's great. Mm. Yeah. I, I'm, um, Leia gives a uh, a speech to the troops about the evacuation. I love Carrie Fisher. Mm. I think this is her worst moment in all the Star Wars movies. Wow. Really? I just think it's she's not good in this scene. Wow. And she hated it too. She said, I didn't understand what I was saying. I didn't I couldn't remember my lines. I was just praying to get through it. <laughs> she looks so stiff and awkward giving this speech. Mm. Um, yeah. It's not not my favorite moment of hers. Uh, Luke gets in a ship with uh, Dak, I think, and uh, and yeah. go and goes out to uh, to fight against the Adats. Yep. Uh, and we do this great, like how we're, all the blaster fires just bouncing right off him. And how are we going to attack him? It's just as you say. Let's trip him up with our harpoons. Mm-hmm. Um, him and Wedge. And then, and then meanwhile, you keep cutting cutting back to Chewie not having the Falcon ready. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, like, like they, there's just all this stuff going on. And Chewie's <laughs> like, oh, I think this will plug into here. I don't know. Like, And Han's like, no, no, no. The other one. The, <laughs> the other, other one. one. Right. Yeah, we have explosions. And, and this is one of the things in Empire that's really not true in Star Wars is we're going to have running gags. Mm-hmm. Like, the way humor works in Empire is really different. In Star Wars, there are funny moments, but it's usually a one-liner, which probably was invented by Carrie Fisher or, or um, Harrison Ford on the set. You know what I mean? Uh, whereas here, we're going to see structural comedy set up over time and relationship comedy set up over time. And this is one of them. The Falcon yep. is not working. Yeah. Um, that we're going to get a lot. Uh, Dak gets taken out. Mm-hmm. But you all, but you see here that Luke has kind of become a leader. Mm-hmm. You know, he's taken on a leadership position and uh, uh, Wedge trips up one uh, guy and then he gets taken out. And then Luke uh, gets shot and he crashes 
with a scary crash. I always, always yeah. thought that shot of him going into that, and that was done on the, um, that was done for real on the glacier. I mean, he didn't really crash, right. but it's a full size thing going into the snow on the glacier. Wow. And then they had to do the compositing with the adats. Um, and one thing, by the way, about them, the sound of them, I, lo- I love some sound design stuff. So the sounds of their footsteps are artillery shells going off in the distance. Um, the sound of a huge, uh, mechanical shearer, you know, that would cut through metal and the sound of a dumpster lid opening and closing. That's the squeak of the footsteps. And those are the three things that are creating those, uh, footsteps. He just manages to get out of the way as a big foot comes down and crushes his ship. And then he shoots up his little suction cup (laughs) thing, grappling hook goes up, cuts it open with a lightsaber, throws a bomb in. I loved this as a kid. Yeah. This is so cool. Yeah. Little tiny Luke swinging, you know, little one inch tall Luke swinging from the bottom of the uh, stop motion adats. <laughs> it's it's great. Well, and then also while all this is going on, because um, again, one of my favorite things about Star Wars when they're done well is C three PO and R two D two. Oh yeah, and also through this, I, th- I forget where they're going, but I love. I think through the entire battle, everyone's doing their thing. Leia refuses to leave. Han's trying to get everything ready so he can leave, yelling yeah. at Chewie. Han- Luke's out here being a hero, and C three PO and R two D two are trying to get wherever they're going. And whenever they're almost there, they are redirected by either Leia yes. or like they're just like, okay, no, we almost made it. Nope, okay, now you're going back this way. And it's just I just love them through this whole movie. Yeah. Just always behind. Um. Uh. And uh. And yeah. Leia's supposed. Leia. Leia. She's gonna stay till the last possible second. Mm-hmm. Everything's blown up around her. Finally, Han goes. No, you gotta go. And they try to get Leia to her. Funny. Escape not ship. something a scoundrel would do. <laughs> I think we're getting the point here. <laughs> try, try to get Leia to her ship. That's not gonna work. So we're gonna get out on the Falcon. Uh. And and who is showing up at the base at this moment? Stormtroopers. And Darth Vader. And Vader comes in. just so good yeah and as he and he comes in right as the falcon is right as it's taken off away, like yeah. they just made it out yeah um well you know because that's what we do in adventure movies of course you don't make it out with a five minute lead yep. <laughs> that would be silly you just make it out and that's certainly what we do um and then we have this great uh with the millennium falcon being chased by tie fighters and the star destroyers yeah. and trying to escape and there's and and this is where again you see oh all the special effects have been upped Oh yeah, everything is up. And the great thing levels. about Empire is, even I mean, you're right. You can see some of the stop motion stuff. You can see some of the the things. But all in all, when you watch Empire today, it still is just damn impressive. It oh looks, yeah, it looks, it looks so looks good. Fan. Absolutely, it looks great. And this is one where, like, they did a lot of color correction on the special edition. And I've looked at some of the before and after. I think they did a great job. Yeah. And that's stuff that that's fine with me. If you want to do some, you know, improve the color and clean up some grain in an image I, that does it's when it's when you mess with story that really makes yeah. me angry yeah i agree with that um and there's this great moment where the two destroyers almost hit each other as the as the falcon dives between them that's so cool yeah um and the whole time we were talking about jumping to light speed and c-3po keeps trying to talk to han solo but sir but <laughs> sir and he keeps telling him to shut up right. well and the han solo c-3po relationship Again, another one of the things in this movie that's just amazing because, I mean, Han has just got no time for 3PO right. ever. Like, turns him off at one Like, it's just like, he's just like, he's like, no. And then, yeah. And then you're like, nope, the hyperdrive, not working. Well, and this is, you know, it, it, I don't want to hit this that hard, but it came up in Star Wars when we talked about Star Wars New Hope. Right. And I feel I have to bring it on here, which is there is basic racism towards the droids. The way they treat 3PO is so horrible yeah. throughout this whole movie. But the, the, they're droids. But they are, but they are clearly sentient creatures with feelings, and 
desires and emotion and a desire for self-preservation. And not only that, but 3PO has the answers multiple times and later R2 has the answers and they continually disrespect him. Well, they don't respect R2. No, nobody, no, nobody, nobody disrespect. No, I mean, they don't disrespect R2. 3PO does. Yeah, but 3PO, that's because they've been in right. a gay relationship, relationship for God knows how long. In what it's relationship? True. But uh, <laughs> uh, don't push your agenda here. Listen, I'm just saying. Uh, okay, two things. One, I don't disagree with you. And when you get into a lot of the uh, other materials, whether it be the books or the comics or anything, this idea of how humans treat droids, given that droids kind of are sentient in this universe is actually dealt with like it actually has come up in lots of different places in these movies i it the thing is they actually for the most part treat c-3po like a member of the family he's just a member of the family han doesn't like like luke doesn't really disrespect 3po leia depending on the moment is like we don't have time for you right now han just doesn't like him right that's a fair point um and yeah and of course what 3po has been trying to tell them this whole time is that the hyperdrive does not work yeah um and Han goes down to fix it. I'm assuming, is Leia flying the Falcon when Han and Chewie go down to fix it? I mean, she must be. I think she must be, although we never see it, which I always thought would be kind of cool. Yeah. Um, and then as they're trying to escape, something hits the ship. And they're like, that's not blaster fire. We come up and we're coming into an asteroid field. Yeah. Actually, you know, talk, speaking of John Williams, like I was saying, we all know the Imperial March and the Han and Leia theme. The music during the asteroid chase is actually one of my favorite pieces of Star Wars music in any it's Star really Wars movie. It's like it's really, really good. Check it out. I love this sequence. It, yeah. I love the effects. I, there, there's so much great movement, and we have to remember that this is all real practical effects. This is this is them doing all these passes on all these models, moving them all at the same time using um, comp- motion-controlled cameras so that you can do multiple passes on the same thing. I love the movement of the Falcon. I love his like one of the things I love is where it you know turns vertical to yep. fit through a space. The explosion of all the Tie Fighters. It's such a great sequence. Well, and also just like I mean, in, uh, from a storytelling standpoint, I mean they do such a great job of mm-hmm. the running gag of the Millennium Falcon not working. Actually, also just contributes to. They are always just barely ahead. You know exactly. what I mean? Like, like there's no, there's no question at any time that at any minute they're going to be destroyed, and they are basically on the run for the entire movie. Well, and that's one of the interesting things about this movie structurally is that in A New Hope, the structure is very clear. There's a very clear goal. First, the goal is rescue Leia, and then the goal is destroy, escape from the Death Star, destroy the Death Star. That's that's the right. what the movie's about, and in Jedi, it's actually really similar. The goal is rescue Han because and there's then, another Death Star, and then <laughs> and then destroy the Death Star. You know, and here there is no goal, there is no overarching. They're trying to get away. Luke is in this training world, and there isn't a sense of this is what we're trying to accomplish in but the what, film. And what it does is it really gets to it makes you feel the strength of the Empire. Yeah, because. You get the sense at the beginning of the movie the rebels are doing okay, yeah. but they're on this far off ice planet, kind of hiding. Right. And when the Empire shows up, they're there's huge. no other yeah. rebel base to go to. Yeah. Like, there's nowhere else. We're not. We're there's no like we're gonna try and regroup here. Like, we'll figure this out. But like Han and Leia and three PO and R two and and Chewie like never get there. Like, and it's and and it also is like you you get to see the hero that Han is yeah. is that he's the one that comes up with every good idea right. to get them out. I mean, he's also on the hunk of junk, but like mm-hmm. he comes up with all the good ideas. So while you deal with the more spiritual aspects of Star Wars on Dagobah, you basically have the, you can't escape the empire. 
Right. Like, well, and there's no sense that they're going to fight the Empire. No. The Empire is totally overwhelmingly powerful. Yeah. And the other thing that this whole movie is doing is developing characters and relationships mm-hmm. and really spending time learning about that stuff. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's called The Empire Strikes Back for a reason. They call The Empire yeah. kind of gets there. It's called The Empire Strikes Back. And so it's like, you know, and that's why. And you, because obviously you see the budget's larger, so they're able to have more ships. So these the the power of the empire is like you were saying, but also we get to see how Han maneuvers the ship. It's fun to see the Millennium Falcon oh, yeah. in a fight. We only got snippets of it in, in A New Hope. So to see an Empire Strikes Back in like full on space battles is awesome. And the shot, I mean, when they finally do find their hiding spot, it's like what you were saying. All the shots of seeing the Millennium Falcon right. like going inside. The shot where they sort of do the flip. Just gonna say yeah. the same thing into one the cave. My, oh. It's one of the best shots in Star Wars. It was one of my favorite moments, and it's yeah. choice. And I love the moment of like I'm gonna go towards one of the big one towards. <laughs> and then of course they fly into the cave yeah it's just it's just a great beautifully done action sequence and then we cut to Dagobah yep uh, Luke uh, with R2 we hadn't mentioned they got in an X-Wing and they've flown away and for whatever reason none of the Empire seems at all interested in him they're all alone mm. fly off to Dagobah it does not look like a nice planet not a well, place I really want to It assures R2 that everything's going to be fine. It's all going to be fine. It's going to be cool with the droids. And next year, they're in a cloud of, of insanity as they go down yeah. into Dagobah. Oh, crash into a swamp. Yeah. And also, this is where you get that R2 is a sassy bitch. Yeah, yeah that's true. R2 <laughs> is not okay with anything that is happening on Dagobah. And he is very clear. I mean, I, you know, you were talking about uh, you know sound design and everything else. Oh, and yeah. I, I think that the sound design on... Astromech droids in general in Star Wars at this point, like oh, all right. of them, but R2 yeah. specifically. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you think about like Chopper on Rebels or stuff, but yep. like uh, R2 is one of the greatest because I just feel like I understand him. You do. You totally and, do. And, he, and I, what I understand about Dagobah is he's pissed. Yeah. 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 And each one of them has their own personality, right? Because uh, R2 is the way he is, but then you have BB-8. It's more of a playful childlike thing. And Chopper's a psychopath. Chopper's a psychopath. Chopper is a, is yeah. a sociopath, man. Yeah. And C-3PO is... Uh... Well, he is what he is. <laughs> right. what he is. Not quite a droid. He's his own thing. I mean, he's a droid, but like, you know. Um, and, and of course, and, and, and to make matters worse, R2 falls into the water. Gets eaten by gets a thing. eaten by a thing, <laughs> shot out. It's not going well for him at all. But this is where you see some of the Henson influence in these characters. And I, and I, I, I always push back at people who think it's all just one thing. Because this is all happening around the Muppets' time as well. So this idea that you get these little small characters and then you have them have these funny human-like moments, that's all there with what Henson was doing with the Muppets. So when R2, gets, R2, yeah. Yeah, when R2 gets shot out and you hear that, yeah, that scream, yeah. that's a Muppet thing. That's yeah. a Muppet thing. And so to me, the, the, there's a lot that... And plus Frank Oz is part of the voices in this, So as we're about to find out. So to me, there's all kinds of influence to this with what Henson was doing at the time. Yeah. Well, I mean, and you really just can't, uh, you know, the sound design does play a big part of it, but just the little movements of R2, mm-hmm. like the rolling back and forth, right. like everything about him, like, like he's a character. Yeah, such personality. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, we go back to uh, Darth Vader, and there is a very important moment. You see the back of his head. Mm. Yep. I remember seeing it as a kid and going, whoa. Yeah. And the thing that I didn't think about, but what George Lucas said was up to this point, nobody knew what Darth Vader was. Mm -hmm. Is he a robot? Is he a machine? What what is he? And now you get this glimpse of this scarred up head. Yeah. Yeah. Super cool that you see the back of Darth Vader's head, but also really important because to your point, uh, nobody in the first movie knows what Darth Vader is. And because of what we're going to find out, you need that moment where you're like, oh, you are human under there. Yeah. You are somebody. Yeah. You are burnt to a crisp because you were supposed to be the chosen one. 
Yeah, well, a whole bunch of stuff there. High ground. High yeah. ground. Um. Oh, wait, wait, sorry. So we're in this cave. Things are kind of calm. We need C-3PO to now talk to the Falcon, normally an R2-D2 job, yeah. to find out what's wrong with the hyperdrive. And um, This hyperdrive is like it's a real problem. everything. Is it like it's the fulcrum of the entire... Listen, hyperdrive is a very complex thing. I mean, clearly. It's like warp, warp drive in uh, Star Trek. It's, well, it is. It, 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 is, literally, it, is it is literally the but, same thing. But they make it the same. Like, but, I, but what I mean is that they make it the problem all the time in Star Trek and in Star Wars. Yeah. Got to get that warp drive. Shit, why isn't it working? Got to get that, you know. You know, maybe they need dilithium crystals. Hello. Um, and there's a weird thing where the cave kind of moves. Everything yeah. kind of shakes. Yeah. Can't imagine what would be going on to there. And then you get and those what, freaky ass Minox. Those, what, those bats. Well, and what happens the first time it shakes is that Leia falls into Han's arms. Mm-hmm. And he spends a long time before he lets go of her. Uh, and finally, she forces him to let go. It's weird to watch the movie in 2017 with all the stuff that's coming out. Like, it used to be innocent, those kinds of things, where the guy would be a little overly aggressive physically like uh, for lack of a better term he's flirting with her and she's she says let me go and he does not and she says please so like he holds her longer than he should for 2017 but back then and even watching you know you understand their relationship is this way because it's going to end up being together but this is something we covered in Blade Runner how when when Harrison pushes yeah. uh Rachel in that moment and I'm not saying anything negative about Harrison Ford or anything about or anything about Han Solo I'm saying it's just an interesting moment to watch now in 2017 but I will say well I I I will say that when I watch Blade Runner I get very uncomfortable by the way Harrison Ford treats Rachel like I think that's I think that's highly uncomfortable today like watching it now you're like that's interesting that is that that is definitely assault. It's funny I, that I this, don't because it's a noir thing, but I get it why people. Yeah, do. no, watching watching Blade Runner now, yeah. that is assault. Okay, what this is is two people who are clearly very close to each other. Like I don't, I still don't find anything super inappropriate about this moment. Like I don't watch okay. this moment and go, Han has overstepped his bounds and is now assaulting Leia. Well, well yeah, I mean, assault is to me, I, I assault the word is like attack, but he is holding her physically and. She says, let go, and he doesn't. You're right. And then when, she, when he finally does, after pleading a second or third time, I think he made some kind of comment. Like, well, he makes some kind of comment that isn't necessarily a positive comment. No. I mean, but look, I think, I think everything between them is this very uh, combative, yes. flirtatious. They definitely have that sort of uh, classic Hollywood kind of banter between them. Like, it's, yes. it's like we're fighting and we're arguing. It's a arguing, romantic comedy. Yeah. 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 But, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I don't think it ever quite gets for, for me. And, yeah. you know, I'm a, I am a dude. So no, but I, I think, yeah. it, I think it, it isn't get that way because we have established that Leia is a forceful personality. She's not Correct. someone to be taken advantage of. So that's why it still works. But I just felt like watching it this time, I it was too. a little bit like, oh. oh I, I don't think it's like the Blade Runner. Because the Blade Runner one, the relationship between uh, him, and Deckard, and Rachel is, in the first scene, she refers to her as an it. Right. In the second scene, he doesn't respect her feelings at all. Mm-hmm. He doesn't see her as human. And his main job, you know, he's like a slave catcher. You know, mm-hmm. and if this was the 1840s, his main job is to hunt down her kind and kill her. And in that scene, he pushes her up against the wall. That's that's why that one seems he's, so yeah. like fraught. He's trying to break through her defenses, but I agree with you. I, Looking I th- through it, yeah, I th- it's not. I think, I think it doesn't what look you that great. getting through her defenses that yeah. is exactly what the scene is meant to be. Meant to be. Yes. But watching it, I go, Ugh, and I respect feels weird. Yeah. Whereas this scene is just what, what's weird about it is Leia in two movies has shown no sign whatsoever of being attracted to this guy. 
But the conceit yeah. of the movie is that she totally is. Uh, I would argue uh, the the first thing that we were talking about where you see Leia in this movie, where Han is talking about leaving They're and she's looking looks. at him. They're Absolutely. It, I think, and, you know, go Carrie Fisher, awesome acting. Like, I think you watching it, you go, oh, no, she likes Han. Oh, yeah, totally. She likes him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, I mean, but nothing overt, I should say. Nothing overt. No, no, no yeah. certainly not. And, and nor should she be. She's a princess. He's a scoundrel. He's a, he's a thief right. in the universe. She comes from Alderaan, all that kind of stuff is a different approach. I guess you're retconning it in a way because of all the media that's come out afterwards. But at that time, you couldn't really invest all that into knowledge into it. But still, her personality, her approach to it is from a different place. Well, I mean, I don't think there's, I don't know that it's retconning so much as clearly when they made the movie, they made the choice. These two are in love I'm with in each love other. With yeah, yeah, true. I agree. So the moment that she looks at him, that's not like us retconning and saying, well, now that we know how it ends up, I think she was. Like, that is very intentionally, she's in love with him. Oh, no, no. I mean that her position as a princess, what she endured with the death of Alder- all the people that died at Alderaan, all the, like her right, weight, right. She, has, she has more emotional weight in the situation than Han does. So that's what I mean is that. Sure. So sure, her approach to the whole thing. So that's why Han has to kind of play this way the way he plays it. Because, Although, another yeah. thing that I love, just kind of bringing that up, yeah. uh, before we jump back into the movie where we're at, is one of the great things about Princess Leia as a character is she consistently defies exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. In the first movie, she is set up, she's called a princess, mm-hmm. she is the damsel in distress trapped in the tower, and the second that she is rescued, she grabs a gun yep. and takes control of the right. situation. Absolutely. Then... When we get to this movie, the last time we saw her, she was sort of she was still sort of this regal character. Even when they got to the rebel base, like right. she wasn't in the fight. She was there in the control room observing, mm-hmm. hoping that everybody turned out okay. We get to the beginning of this movie, the way that her hair is, the way she is dressed, mm-hmm. like she's in it with the grunts. Like yep. she's in it with the soldiers. She's not some regal princess watching down on everybody going I hope you all do a good job. Like, right. as we were saying, she won't leave. Yeah. She, everyone's like, you've got to go. And she's like, I'm staying here to get everybody out. So I think what's great about her as a character is she is a princess. Yeah. She did deal with this. She is from Alderaan. But everything about her character is that she is a down and dirty soldier who's going to do what she needs to do to save the day and would and would sacrifice herself for anybody else. Well, and this is why I push back sometimes when people say, oh, well, Shouldn't she be a force user? Shouldn't she? Why wasn't she a Jedi? Was and I'm like her. Her role in this is way more important than the Jedi. What she has to do to lead this rebellion. What she's a powerful leader. She's a military leader, tactician. All these kinds of things. You know, she's powerful in her own ways. That to me, it's irrelevant whether she can use the force or not because she's already a powerful person. She does not need sure. to use the Force to be a powerful person, unlike Luke. Luke needs the Force. Without the Force, Luke is just a, a, a fucking moisture farmer in Tatooine. Like, there's nothing there. But like Leia, she's already incredibly powerful. Well, and in the way that she's treated at the base, she's in charge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she's in charge in a way without having to necessarily be... Like, there are people working under her. Yeah. Um, and what's interesting, too, is I think the Han-Leia relationship is like classic romantic comedy. Oh, totally. Which is there's these two people they are going to fight the whole time. Han Solo is nothing like if Leia were to picture a man in her life. Mm -hmm. It certainly wouldn't be Han Solo. And she wants Han Solo to be things that he's not. Mm -hmm. And Han Solo can't understand Leia's responsibilities and positions and why why she's not just showing her love for him, which she... He knows what mm-hmm. he's going to say. I know later. He knows that she has, you know, and so we have this, we're going to fight and fight and fight until we finally get together relationship. Well, 
Michael mentioned stories about John Rocha. When we lived together in London, we lived with a girl named Sally, and we fought the whole time we all lived together. There was like five of us and lived together, three girls, two boys. We fought the whole time. By the end of it, it was realized that the reason we were fighting so much is because we had an attraction for each other. Sure. By of the end course. of it, for them. <laughs> <laughs> Not the other people living in the flat. <laughs> Listen, Sally. it's not. I, I'm sure C3PO and, Ch- and Chewie would have said the same thing. Yeah, Roke would be like, Roke was like, can you believe what Sally said? And I'd be like, my man's not lying. My man's not lying. It's true. And Sally and I are great friends now. She's, I think she's engaged to be married. Like we, we, and we almost pursued the relationship a couple of years ago and it never really came to fruition but like it was so funny that was my first experience something like that so watching it in, in the film it's like oh yeah it makes sense and I do think for a lot of people growing up uh, I mean, watching right. that Han and Leia relationship is sort of the template for I these people don't feel like they should be together but they clearly are in love with each other yeah. that's yeah. what I want to find that's it's, right. and that is that is Ron and Hermione and it is oh yeah, sure sure it is, it is a it is a relationship structure Absolutely. that has worked ever since <laughs> yeah we're back to Dagobah Luke set up a little camp. He's feeling kind of like something might be watching them. Mm. And who do we meet? Yoda. But one of the great Star Wars characters. One of the great characters of all time. Yeah. Yoda. Yeah. You could argue the greatest. You could argue. but The yeah. greatest Star Wars character? And sometimes there are days I feel that way. Oh, wait, but you haven't. I mean you no harm. I am wondering, why are you here? I'm looking for someone. Looking? Found someone you have, I would say. <laughs> it is so amazing to me that they did this the way that they did it. Mm-hmm. Because it really doesn't sound like it should work. Yeah. And it does. Like, in the first, it started with, in early drafts of uh, A New Hope, Ben was not supposed to die. And so he was going to go on and be training Luke for the second movie. Mm. But because they decided to kill Obi-Wan, now it's like we need somebody else. And the first thing that George said is that I want the most powerful guy in the force to be small. That was the first choice. Totally makes sense. And then the second choice was I don't really want a guy in a suit. And and you brought it up. Mm-hmm. Is that the, the Muppet Show is going on yeah. right when this is happening. And where do they shoot the Muppet Show? In London. Right. Where they're shooting Star Wars. So that's how he calls up Jim Henson and says, hey, do you think you could do this? And Jim says, yeah, this would be great. And Jim Henson says, you have to have Frank do it because Frank Oz is the best puppeteer we have. And it really is. I mean, I don't know that without, to your point, without the magic of Jim Henson and what he was able to do with puppetry, I don't think you get Yoda. And Yoda works because Frank Oz, who is Fozzie and Miss Piggy Mm. and Bert... Uh, and you know all these other amazing characters has like he knew what the fuck he was doing. Yeah. yeah. So you've got this puppet on this set, and you know I there was one time uh, working for Hasbro uh, when we did a Sesame Street event, and I got to meet the guy doing Cookie Monster. Mm. And you don't look. I'm literally right. standing there. There is a man on his knees, and he's got the Cookie Monster thing, and I just stare at Cookie Monster. And you talk to Cookie Monster. And you Monster, talk to Cookie Monster, oh, wow. and you believe it. Like, you are 100%. <laughs> if you meet a Muppet in real life, if you're ever lucky enough to be in one of those situations, it makes you giddy. You feel like you're five years old, <laughs> and you believe it. So just like this, you know, you're yeah. watching this movie, and Luke is sitting there, and R2 is being sassy, as he is wont to do. Sure, sure. And then this weird puppet shows up, and... 
without even a split second of what's going on, you instantly buy that this thing is a character and you believe it. Yeah, and it's distinct, right? Because the speech pattern is distinct. Mm. It, yeah, mm. It, right, but also rearranging <laughs> the words in not a... That's very good. Rearranging the words not in a normal way in speaking the sentences, yeah. right? It's almost Shakespearean in the way that it's moving intention around within the words. And I, I always love that about you. And then and, this gets back to that classic, you know, it's done in lots of... Uh, you know, lots of lots of lots of films about you know great ninja masters or whoever. Mm, it's like right. the person who looks the least likely yes, to be a ninja master is the ninja sure, master, and it's sure, like, right. and 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 Frank Oz's performance. And what we should say is it's actually four guys' performance oh, wow. to do Yoda because there's Frank who's got his hand up there and is doing mm-hmm. the voice, and then there's another guy doing one arm, another person doing the eyes, and another person doing the ears, mm-hmm. and they all have to coordinate it. And they're they built the set five feet off the ground <laughs> uh, because you have to have all these puppeteers walking around, and they can't really hear very well what's going on above them. And Mark Hamill can't hear what Frank Oz is saying, so he has a little earpiece on. Like this is tech, and there's yeah. there's lots of fog, and there's animals, and I mean this is technically really really hard stuff, and they're yeah. doing it for months. And yet the performance from Frank Oz is nuanced and yeah. complicated and serious and funny and 100% real. So 3PO has figured out that the that it's something to do with the power polarized power coupling or other. He tells Han, Han immediately kind of yells at him and then takes the idea like it's his own. Yeah. Um, and then we get this scene with Han and Leia. And they're sort of in the hallway and oh, he's yeah. calling her... Your, your worship or something yeah, like that. Yeah. She goes, stop calling me that. And he says, okay, Leia. And she says, you make it so difficult. What does she mean by that? What is he making so difficult? I mean, I believe what she's saying in that moment is like, I want to like you. Yeah. I mean, like, I want you to be my guy. Yeah. And I think this is what Han, you know, because Han earlier on when they're on the base on Hoth, like he keeps saying, he's like, yeah, you know, you know, you like, like he, he's basically like, you know, you like me. And she refuses to say it because he consistently does things that let her down in little ways. It's like, it's like, she's the one who's like, I think you're hero material. I think you're a guy that I want to be with, but then you cop attitude about me being a princess. You say you're going to dip off and go pay this gangster. You know, you say you're going to do this and you consistently make it difficult for you to be my guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree with that completely. And it, cause this could go easier, but you're being such a, a passive aggressive baby about everything yeah. that you may, you're making this so much more difficult. But I also think in a way he is hitting all the right buttons. Well, in this scene, because there's this moment, you know, she says, my hands are dirty. Yeah. He says, my hands are dirty, too. This is where we hear this. We, we've talked about this word a lot. Right. But this is the first time we hear her call him a scoundrel. Yeah. And he says, scoundrel. Scoundrel. I like the sound of that. And then there's this moment of, you need scoundrels in your life. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. Yeah. He knows. Because, but in his mind, he thinks she's a princess who's been pampered, who's been spoiled. So his approach to her is to not do what everyone else has done, is kiss her butt and worship her and do whatever. You are, you are so funny. He, he, you <laughs> I'm are, telling you, you what he's doing. You think that he has got about heterosexual all, relationships, Michael. You think, listen, I have dealt with your heterosexual relationships for 20 years. Let's <laughs> I don't, Sally. 20 plus. 20 plus. Um, yeah. I, I just think it's funny that you believe that everything that Han does he's doing because he's figured this out and he's playing some kind of game. Oh no, I think it's instinctual. I don't think it's on purpose. I don't think it's 
here's here's the real thing. I think he's insecure. Han is so insecure. He I does not think know. he's insecure. Han thinks the reason he calls her worshipfulness, highness, all the mm-hmm. time is in his mind, there's no way she would ever be with him. So he's going to recklessly throw shit against the wall and be the little kid who pokes you on the playground because he thinks that she's a princess and she's never going to want him. He knows she kind of likes him and he doesn't know what to do about it and he wants her to say something and he and she won't. And the second that she says, you make it so difficult, he finally takes his opening. Like They actually almost get to the moment where, oh, they finally have gotten past their shit and they're going to have a thing and then the Minoc freaks them the fuck out. But it isn't like she's incredibly nice to him all the fucking time either. Don't make it seem like she's the one being like, Han, if you would just talk to me. He, she, she's just diffi- as difficult to get to know as, as anybody. She has armor up herself. Oh, of course she so does. So totally. your assessment is no more valid than mine. No, no, no. You're, it's just your interpretation no. of what you think My he's doing. My assessment is correct. I don't think he's insecure. <laughs> Han Solo is it's totally insecure. insecure. You're both crazy. He's not Why insecure. does when 3PO says it's the power coupling, yeah. does he kind of dismiss 3PO because, and then say, oh, it's the power coupling? Well, because he doesn't like to be questioned. It's his ship. There's nothing wrong with that. Listen, I know that you have a personal thing about Han and you feel like I'm attacking <laughs> you right now, but I'm just letting you know. I wonder why I would feel attacked. <laughs> you know, I, I love how you, this, I wonder how I would feel attacked by that that intro to that. But no, but I, you're right. I, I'm sure you both are right. Yeah, I, I don't, it's not that I don't, yeah, you're right. You're right. He is insecure in a certain way. But I also think he's a guy who has, and we know this, he seems to be a guy who knows his way around women and knows how to, instinctually how to flirt with women in a certain way. This is, this is what I'm saying. Whether it comes from insecurity or whatever, I, I think both things are true. I think he's insecure, but I also think he's playing it a certain way. I think both of these people are used to people treating them differently. Yes. I think Leia is used to people accepting oh, what she point. says and her orders, good and point. he is used to being the scoundrel that women love. Right. So both of Seducing them... Seducing women quickly. Right. Both of them are out Fair at point. sea without a paddle here. They don't know what's going on. Leia has feelings for this guy totally who is fair. the one guy who never listens to her, mm-hmm. and Han is like, I'm good with the ladies, and this girl won't give me the time of day. Neither of them knows what's going on. Yeah, right. Well, that's why Han's going like... I'm glad we can so find I'm, a compromise. So yeah. I'm leaving, you know, because <laughs> Han's kind of going, I'm leaving, and she goes... Well, we're gonna miss you as a as a soldier. Yeah. You know, and he's like, no, I know. Why aren't you expressing feelings towards me? And that makes him crazy. Yeah. And that but makes him. Sh- why isn't she express? Why aren't we asking the questions? Why isn't she expressing her feelings? Well, me? we're not avoiding no, it. No, I she, think you're she right. You're right. She doesn't know how to deal with those feelings. No, she I has think for. you're right about that. Like I'm agreeing with you. Like, yeah. So I'm not maybe s- that influences further actions later on in the movie because she won't come forward and tell him how she really feels. No, they're both people that can't uh, cannot deal with their do feelings you, for each other. Do you need other. to call somebody? No, I'm it. telling you what's happening. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's and, not all and, hands but, fault. But, but fellas, guess what? In this moment, <laughs> they are going to have a moment of connection. Yeah. Stop that. Stop what? Stop that. My hands are dirty. My hands are dirty too. What are you afraid of? Afraid. You're trembling. I'm not trembling. You like me because I'm a scoundrel. There aren't enough scoundrels in your life. I happen to like nice men. Nice men. Very nice. <laughs> and then what happens next? The kiss, man. The kiss, and it's and it's very clear. Oh, it's both. that it is. They both want it. Mm-hmm. That this is what the, that that it is. The feelings they have for each other are real and true. And then what happens? Sir, sir, I've isolated the reverse power flux coupling. And I love Harrison Idiots. Ford's. Thank you, thank you very much. Oh, exactly. He's so 
great. Yeah. Uh, and she takes a moment to run off. And she she's doesn't gone. stay. Then yeah. she's gone. And poor C-3PO just yeah. doesn't really know what he did wrong. Just no. trying to get by. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and the fleet is getting beat up by the asteroids. And we and Darth Vader is just like, let's keep going. Oh, no, wait. There's a call from the Emperor. And immediately he's like, let's get out of this asteroid belt. Yeah. I got to take a phone call. <laughs> <laughs> you don't play um, and then we and then we get to see the emperor, and then we get to this scene that is a hotly debated scene. Ooh, uh, with the emperor because there is a big question about this. Where I believe, according to George Lucas, he believes that when the emperor says something about Sky, the son of Skywalker, George Lucas believes this is when Darth Vader finds out that his son is alive. That is that that, that Skywalker that is his son, right? That 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 the that the emperor lied to him all the time or whatever, and I'm like, no, that's ridiculous. Like he's clearly known this the entire movie. Like he didn't know in the first movie that his son was the guy flying the X-wing, but as soon as he finds out about Skywalker, like he knows. Like it's a but uh, this is a this is a big moment in like a geek discussions about like is this when Darth Vader finds out or did he already know this going in? Because he says that's impossible. Vader says that. So does well, he know? He's, but there's no reaction like, holy shit, I have a son. There's right. nothing. There's no yeah. reaction like that. He just that. goes, that's impossible. No, I, I didn't know this. I had not heard this before. But I, and there's nothing in that scene that feels like that. If you were going to do a scene where Darth Vader mm. discovers that he has a son, you would do that scene. Or you'd have a close-up where he, after the, the conversation's over, where he sits in close-up and is like, does something with his helmet that makes you think he's pondering what, what the news he's got. But yeah. it begs the question, and actually, if you uh, happen to be someone who's read the the latest uh, Marvel comics, all the yeah, comics yeah. that have come out recently with Star Wars, uh, the Darth Vader comic book series actually does address this and mm. does do the moment in the most awesome way of when Darth Vader actually finds out, and yeah. it is everything you ever wanted it to be. But yeah, because wow. there is this, in, the, in, in New Hope, Darth Vader does not know that this dude is his son. Right. Right. And I think my understanding of it always was whatever happened between those two movies in Empire Strikes Back, he, he knows out. Luke's like when yeah. it says in that more beginning crawl, he's obsessed with finding Skywalker. Mm. Right. Like, yeah, because yeah. So why does he tell the Emperor that's impossible? That is the hotly debated topic. Uh-huh. That is the and I think it is because the intention may have been one thing in that scene, but the history and the epicness yeah. of Star Wars in this moment have made everybody sort of go, that, I don't buy that. Well, this is the dirty little, sec- the dirty little secret about Star Wars. It's not as co- uh, continuity, uh, it's, the continuity is not as untouchable as people want to believe it is. They switch stuff around all the time to not make it work. And uh, yeah, so. I mean, that's, that's just the nature of art. And I'm always bothered. Yeah, yeah, true, true. Pe- people who are like, well, Spider-Man in issue 20, blah, blah, blah. It's like, <laughs> look, th- these things evolve over time. And it's right. never, nothing is ever going to match up perfectly. Right. You know, it's just not, it's not all going to work because there's a creative process and you figure stuff out as you go along. Mm-hmm. Uh, but one thing that does happen in this scene is the discussion of what are we going to do with Skywalker? And Darth Vader says, If he could be turned, he would become a powerful ally. Yeah. Try to turn Luke to the yep. dark side. And I think we end with, he will join us or die. Mm-hmm. Now this is, is this Ian McDermott in the makeup? Uh, yes, the, the, mm-hmm. the new emperor. Yeah. Not, not my emperor. So, yeah. I'm th- confused. Th- that is one of the few... Uh, it's not Palpatine? That's, that's Palpatine, right? Right, but that's not the emperor in the original release. They replaced him in the special oh, edition. Right. right. That is one of the few Just changes. Just like they replaced uh, Boba Fett's dialogue the person do the yeah the voice yeah. yeah um yeah and that's one where it's like yeah i like the the emperor yeah. the old original emperor is much creepier looking yes yeah and Agreed. weirder than this one is god damn it i'm so used to watching the old version man because i grew up with that all right sorry yeah. and then we leave 
we leave the, at this moment where we hear that Darth Vader say that Luke is going to join us or die, we go to Yoda's hut. Mm. Tiny little small place where Luke barely fits. And I just imagine shooting like a week in there. It just must have been torture for Mark <laughs> Hamill. And by the way, Mark Hamill, he is like the only actor called to the set for like two months. Wow. Because it's just him and a puppet. Wow. And that's just really, Man. really weird. Uh, but this scene is great. Because at first, Mark Hamill's perception is that this is some weird little creature. Mm -hmm. And then there's this moment where it turns. Yeah. And the, mean, best, the best part about it is when he starts out, he's almost like a child. Because he's like discovering all this stuff. Going through things and fighting the flash. Like he's almost like a child of wonder. You know, these things totally. he's discovering. Totally. And then the switch happens. And damn it. Even watching it again now, when the switch happens, when he's just it like is, I'm done with, well, because it like, is fantastic. What he's man. really doing is he's testing Luke. Okay, I mean, like, like I mean, I think he look again, like not retconning everything I know about right, Yoda right, right. living on Coruscant and knowing what a droid is, but like <laughs> even when this movie was made, like he is. He's seeing what kind of guy Luke is. Yeah, that's like, a good totally point. Agree. When, I, that's a great point. When I show up and I'm going to annoy you and I'm going to act like a dumb little old man and I'm going to get excited and I'm going to eat your food and I'm going to watch how you react. Yeah, that's a good point. And I'm going to tell you I know where Yoda is, but I'm going to see how patient you are. I'm going to see how kind you are to right. a little old man. And then he just reaches his limit and the switch happens and he's like full on like, I'm not doing it. I'm out. I'm not training this dude. It's the exit. Yeah. No man. Such a great switch. Too old. Too, too old. old. Yeah. Too and he comes up with all you know, too old, too reckless, like all the reasons he can't do it. And 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 who is he talking to when this is going on? Ben. ben. Yeah. This the this moment, by the way, where Ben's voice starts and, and and Luke sort of looks around is so right on the end of comedy and being ridiculous. Like so something <laughs> you would make fun of. But it totally works within the scene. And you see, I mean, how um, Frank Oz creates a physical change within mm. the character at yeah. this moment as you see his Yodaness happen. Mm -hmm. It's just amazing. And it's a it's what they call enacting a dominant submissive situation, right? It is dominant submissive or playing status, right? It when they're starting out in this relationship, Luke is the higher Luke status. Luke thinks he has a status because you're just this crazy old man. Yeah, right. crazy. And then when totally. the switch happens, all of a sudden Luke is like the student immediately. Yeah. Right. And yeah. he and he's like begging to yes. say, please take me on. Yeah. And, and ends with him saying, I'm not afraid. Yeah. You will be. You will be. <laughs> it's the creepiest thing of all time. It's so great. Mm -hmm. That is such a great, great moment. And it has weight to it because he says, I'm not afraid. You will. Because that's 800 years of all this yeah. in that line. You will be i know better than you you will be yeah it's that's, great that's that's just what you, and it's funny you know having watched tons and tons of martial arts mm. things with senseis like this is it this yep. is we've met the great you know this is mr miyagi this is you know yeah it's like the sensei who's going to take you on the journey to go become who you have to become yeah um here's a question i have too and i, I can't remember for me but do you think that you knew that was Yoda when you first met him out at Luke's little campsite from yeah. the beginning, or do you think you were surprised in the moment that he, be, he we discover it? I don't even know anymore. For me, for me, the watching of that movie is so like entrenched in. Mm. I don't remember. I was three the first time I saw it, right, so I don't think I had an opinion on Yoda. But like now, it's like everybody knows that's Yoda. Like you know, you don't watch that movie and not know Natural. who Yoda is, yeah. so you know. Yeah. I, I remember being surprised when the moment happened. Mm. Now the 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 destroyers are bombing the asteroid. 
and we're still down underneath and Leia's kind of all alone and she looks up and something goes by and then bam something appears <laughs> Dude, <laughs> you're so good at this. Yeah. <laughs> so we decide to go outside. It's one of the very few times we have like the sci-fi thing of them having like a breathing apparatus. Yeah. Which because most of most of Star Wars we don't care about things like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, the ground seems a little squishy. And these Minox are flying around. And then uh, Chewie fires at one of them, and we get a big earthquake. Yep. Mm-hmm. And then Han starts to figure out what's going on. Yeah. And he fires down at the ground, and the whole world starts shaking. Yep. <laughs> this is this is great adventure <laughs> stuff. Yeah. We run inside. Leia doesn't know what's going on. He's like, we're getting out of here. She's like, no, it's a bad idea. And he goes, I don't have time to put this in front of the committee. I'm not the committee. <laughs> Her running after him. I love that. Yeah. I'm not the committee. <laughs> yeah. And they go towards the mouth of the cave, and... That now we see the teeth closing, and yeah. and she goes, and it's like that's not a cave. Yep. Yeah. And the great shot of them flying out, and the huge, the huge worm, thing. worm yeah. thing coming out, which is by the way, that's like a sock puppet. puppet. Oh, it's, it's just a, totally <laughs> a hand <laughs> puppet. You can just see like, rah, yeah. Rah. yeah, and they just of course make it out, and now we're doing some training. Now we're doing some some training with uh, full on Rocky shit. Yeah. Yeah. With a Yoda on your back. Yeah. <laughs> Which is great when it's just a, you know, a backpack <laughs> with Yoda's head that you're climbing around doing flips, um, climbing vines the whole nine. Yeah. Uh, and then there's this conversation where we hear, we get into this. This is where we get into some real force stuff. Yes. Jedi strength flows from the force. But beware of the dark side, anger, fear, aggression, the dark side of the force are they. Easily they flow, quick to join you in a fight. If once you start down the dark path, forever will it dominate your destiny. Consume you it will, as it did Obi-Wan's apprentice. Vader. Yoda's not telling Luke either. Yeah. Um, and it was, it's funny. So uh, George Lucas and Irving Kirshner and all of them were really worried that this whole sequence of all this talk is going to drag the movie down and mm. everyone's going to be bored. I love this stuff. Yeah. Well, I mean, I love it because this is like just the thing that I love about really good sci-fi or fantasy. It's like, as adults, we all look at this. Oh, yeah, that's cute. Yeah, we get it. Yeah. But when you look at the world we live in today and you look at the people, things people deal with, you're like, oh, yeah, you know, holding on to your anger leads to uh, hate and suffering and fear and it's darkness and you never get out of it. And you're like, uh, yeah, that shit's true. Yeah. I know it sounds cheesy and we've seen it on so many like, you know posters and stuff that you're like oh yeah okay you get the dark side but you're like that's real like when you do hold on to anger when you don't let shit go when you want to see people suffer and hurt because they hurt you i mean that you go down a bad road so like i think the reason that star wars is so um just entrenched in all of our uh psyches is because this all the stuff that they hit on is this is some deep true shit yeah yeah i mean for me it's like violence devoid of philosophy is pornographic Mm. you know if we're just teaching you how to fight then we're just getting turned on by watching violence Mm. but if you you know and like and this is it's really funny when i was doing martial arts i had an epiphany you know i'd done it for a few years and i was hanging out with some people at a you know a bunch of people i was training with and we're having like dinner and then some weird racism came out at the table and some like weird stuff and it really freaked me out because i was sort of in my mind doing martial arts was like a journey to wisdom i mean mm-hmm. you're training to do this stuff but that and and what i realized was like oh you only get that if that's what you're going into it for right it's there 
But if you don't care about that, if you're not thinking those things, then you're just learning how to hurt people. Yeah. Yeah. And most organizations that have meatheads who fight uh, will have a lot of racism come up in conversations. Yeah. MMA, boxing, yeah. what have you, football, any sport. You know, that was a big thing in the 60s, 70s, and 80s. And 90s, the homophobic locker rooms, you know, so sure. it's not a surprise. And what Yoda's doing here is going, no, no, there's a there's a truth here. Right. Like, you cannot learn the ways of the Force without understanding these fundamental yeah. truths. Mm -hmm. And I think they're real. I think they're things yeah. that, they're lessons to be learned here. I love what he says. That, and it's, it's you know, James Cameron kind of stole this with Avatar, but he said, like, Yoda says in that moment, like, the Force flows through everything. Mm -hmm. yeah. it's, that, it's the old philosophy that everything is connected, that everything has... Is on the same wavelength. It's no different than when in the Navi in in uh, uh, Avatar when they connect their hair right. into the tree and everything like that, like it, or whatever it is that they connect yeah. to the tree. It's all of that. It's that when you look at the Native American approach to it, it is that everything flows through Mother Nature. The Force is essentially Mother Nature, and that's what Yoda's kind of saying. Well, and there's there's connections with Zen Buddhism, and there's right. connections with Absolutely. all sorts of different religions and and uh, spiritual practices that relate to this connectedness of things. And, and and the thing that Yoda is clearly warning Luke about is the darkness within himself, and yeah. that's something we're going to deal with. And Luke wondered, how am I going to know what what which way is the dark way and which way is the light? Mm -hmm. um, the one other thing to always think about is that in these really great conversations where Luke is having with Yoda, who's like on his back, um, is Luke talking to a puppet, and standing behind him are four dudes, you know, <laughs> working all those little parts yeah. to make this very intimate conversation work. Yeah. And then Luke starts to feel cold. Yeah. And he feels like something's happening. And Yoda kind of nods and goes, yeah, you're going to have to go there. And I feel like this is what happens at Burning Man when like, you're with your like, old burner <laughs> friend. All of a sudden you start feeling weird and you're like, dude, the mushrooms are hitting. Just yeah. go do your thing. It, so, here's, so I have a couple of questions about this. The first thing is, is, is Yoda making this happen? No. No. I don't think so. So, so what is happening? I, I mean, did you want to say? I have something, but please go ahead. I, look, and this, this again, this is sort of that retrofitted, like having watched all the Star Wars things and everything right. else. Like, mm. like Dagobah is a place that is very strong in the Force, mm -hmm. mm. and anywhere that is really strong in the Force. And if you're going to get geeky about it, like the Jedi's built a bunch of temples around places that were strong in the Force. But mm -hmm. uh, when you're anywhere that's strong in the Force the force itself will sort of reach out uh. and uh, test you or do things for you. So I don't think that Yoda's making this happen. I think Yoda knows as much as he's running Luke around and making him lift things and flip, like this is a part of training also. Mm -hmm. And as they were having this conversation and Luke started to question things, that part of himself started to come out. And so when oh. he says he's cold, Yoda's like, yep, all right, it's time for that shit. You got to yeah. go deal with it, dude. Yeah, I, yeah that's great. I had not mm -hmm. thought, I, yeah, that... Uh, that's really good. And, and of course, what does Luke do? He grabs his weapons. Yeah, of course. And Yoda says, you're not going to need those. <laughs> so Luke puts down his weapons and doesn't bring them? No, he brings them. No, he still brings his weapons. Right, because he's still young. And that is, what, well, that is a clear sign that he's not ready. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And uh, he climbs down into this cave. Even R2 is scared, which I always wonder, how how is R2 vibing on what's going on with the Force? Yeah. R2, R2 knows a lot of things, man. <laughs> yeah. He clearly does. Uh, He's and an he old goes, droid. He goes down into this cave, and it is genuinely creepy. Yeah. It is a creepy cave with snakes and all sorts of weird animals and... And, and also then, like, what happens, I mean, Darth Vader steps out of the shadows, Luke, you know, it's his big villain, and, like, as a kid, this really confused me. Oh, yeah, of course. I was like, what, 
Did I don't they, understand what's happening. Did Vader find him? Was wasn't he on the ship with the? Yeah. They're looking. No, it's very strange. Did he just kill Vader? Like there's yeah. all of. Well, yeah, and he cuts his head off. Right. And then there's this moment where there's like an explosion. The faceplate goes out, and there's Luke's face. And that's like, which by the way, freaking. as a kid, I didn't recognize that that was Luke. I didn't oh, understand. Oh, yeah. I well, I mean, obviously now older, it's foreshadowing of what you're going to find out later is that Vader is his father because that's him. That's his blood inside the suit. But also, it's confronting the darkness of you. You could go right. either way. That's always been the thing about the Force. You right. can go either way, well, light saying, or dark. And also saying that by doing the thing that you did, by defeating your enemy, you sort of became your enemy. Yes, like you, which yeah. is what yeah. will like come out in yeah. Jedi. Yes. Well, and this is, you know, in any That's uh, point, dream right? or, or, or spirit journey or drug-filled uh, spirit journey, the, the, interpreting yeah. what it means is complicated. Yeah. Like, yeah. There are a lot of interpretations here. Um, I have a question. <laughs> no. Yes. Um, we've been talking about, it's been brought up many, many times, this idea of Luke and the dark side, his struggle with the dark side mm. and his anger and his fear and also his lack of patience. Have we seen Luke struggle with the dark side? Is there any part of his personality that seems dark? Does he seem like an angry person? We've been told that these are struggles. Right. He's an impulsive person. Impulsive sometimes. But Yoda says to him, right, you're always looking. You're never here. No, concentrate on what you're doing. Concentrate on what you're doing. That seems to be somewhat accurate. And I think and that's because he's always not happy with where he's at. He thinks in his mind that he has to get to this place in his mind. But the thing they always tell you is that where you're going to is not as important as the journey. And so I totally agree with all that. Right. And I think does he seem angry? No, no, I don't think Luke seems angry. I think Luke is frustrated. And even when Owen and and, and Aunt Beru are killed, he's not overly emotional about no. it. And that tells you because he was it's almost like that it's almost like Amadeus. So he was happy when his father dies. He has this thing of, okay, that gets them out of the way, now I can go get what I want. But Luke has always been a flawed to me, Luke has always been a flawed fucking person to consider as the one the one it's always been Leia to me that was really the best. Luke was always flawed. I he's a man of I impulse. This is the way I'll give you my interpretation of it because no, I don't think that we ever see Luke as a dark person no, at no. all. Like he's the he's the bright eyed, bushy tailed hero of New Hope sure. and even everything at the be- at leading up to this point in Empire. We haven't seen it. I think uh, he is impetuous, and I think that Luke has an idea of what he thinks being the hero means. Yeah, and I think this is where Yoda's like. What you think being a hero means is not what being a hero means, yeah. and Luke doesn't want to hear it. Right. I also think that Yoda and Obi Wan have are, are putting a lot of their own concerns on Luke <laughs> about what they went through with Anakin. If you really want to get into the That's big history, thing like yeah. like, and I don't. And again, I don't think it's it's again. It's one of those weird things when you talk about Empire as a movie and you try and put yourself in the seat of like, well, when they were making this movie, this is what they were thinking. Right. And now all these years later, having watched prequels and Clone Wars and everything else, I have another opinion of it. But I think so. I think that they're both looking at Luke and going, "Yeah, you're great, and you're impetuous, and you and and I do know since I know a lot of the guys who worked on Clone Wars, the animated series, this is what they put into Anakin, the character in Clone Wars, mm. is they made a character who was impetuous, didn't listen to anybody, did what he wanted to do, was really strong with the Force, and was a hero and did great. And so I think when I watch this, I just see. An old dude that was like, oh, yeah, okay, you're impetuous. You're going to take your weapon and you're not going to listen to me. Who was that like? That didn't turn out so well. But I think in, purpo- in, in terms of just when this movie was made, I also think that. I think what they're getting at is being a hero is not what you think it means. Well, t- to, to me, and it's funny because I was thinking about it quite a bit. I think the movie is telling us 
that Luke is struggling between the dark and the light, mm. but they're not showing us that, and the, and that's not really part of his character. I well, okay, uh, but I disagree because when you take every when you take Luke's entire arc, even leading into uh, Jedi, there's only one point in the entire movie near the end of Jedi where he even comes close to the dark side. Like when you like, yeah, I agree. So I think that again, I don't think Luke's arc is them saying. I, look, I think Yoda's saying like, look, all of us have the capability. We all have these fears and but insecurities. That's not in what us. they're. They, and this is the thing. So. I, I love Empire, I but I think this element is a thing that is hmm. part of what f- makes Jedi flawed, and it's <gasps> how dare you? <laughs> and it's part of, and it's definitely what makes George Lucas incapable of writing Anakin properly in the prequels. Is that that we're saying all the time? There's this struggle between dark mm, and light, mm. but it's not really built into this character. And so now I adore Empire. Um, and I think it's a great movie, but I think they're not, they actually haven't, we never saw him struggle with darkness ever. No, it it just really doesn't happen until that one moment in Jedi. But again, at what point in the movies you're, I think you're putting a lot on Yoda telling him about the dark side. And then this moment happens where Luke faces a dark aspect of himself. But again, the arc of, of Luke Skywalker, even in this movie, it's his thing at the end of the movie is not. You gave into darkness. His thing at the end of the movie is you gave into your impetuous nature. You right. couldn't wait. Mm-hmm. Right. So I think so I think that all of that and then when we see we you know, we'll do a, we'll do Jedi another day and we'll talk about it, but I think that I, I don't think that I, I think that Anakin's arc in the prequels is very flawed because there's a lot of show don't tell. I mean there's yes. a lot of tell don't show. Tell don't show. But um but with Luke, I don't I don't think him I don't think his he, him having a struggle with the dark side is actually an issue? I, I've never had an issue with it because I because I think we've I think we all struggle with that. I think we all have moments where we want to be good to people, and when we make mistakes like turning our backs on our friends and things like, that, and in certain moments that we for 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 self preservation things sure. of that nature. I think we have them as we get older and we discover them. And he's still young, so he can go either way. So, but I think what you say is right. This they're putting a lot of pressure on him from their own experience with yeah, Anakin. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. Yeah, I think it's a, yeah. We're going to meet some bounty hunters. <laughs> so this is important. I mean, this is great because this is one of those things that has always set Star Wars apart. Mm-hmm. And this was something that they put in this movie uh, based on a character from the animated portion of the holiday special, the infamous holiday right. special, <laughs> um, that has become so intrinsically essential to the Star Wars universe, yeah. bounty hunters. Right. Like, even when you... Go deal. Go to go to Disney now. It's like you can be a rebel, you can be part of the Empire, or you can be a bounty hunter. It wow. has become that level of important to the universe, and yeah. it all started right here with these fools. And in particular, Boba Fett. Yes. Yeah. I, I I don't can't think of anything where there's a character introduced that has so little that that inspires so much. Yeah. Like he's not. He doesn't do very much. Um, but man, whether it's his design or the toys or whatever. People, my from my son to every kid I know, loves Boba Fett. Yeah. And when you really try and break it down, I mean, you know, when you've got this whole lineup of IG-88 and Bosk and Boba mm-hmm. Fett and all the guys, they're all pretty badass, and somehow Boba Fett stands out. Yeah. And then I think the thing that really does make him stand out uh, is that it, he he is to Han Solo as Darth Vader is to Luke Skywalker. Like I was saying, sure. Han Solo, yeah. throughout this entire movie, comes Wait, up... Wait, Boba Fett is Han Solo's father? <laughs> yes. No, Boba Fett is Jango Fett's son. I mean... Um, but, uh, but no, but I'm saying, like, throughout this entire movie, Han Solo is the 
guy that finds out the weird, like he hides in a cave. He hides in the trash. Like he's a down and dirty guy. And so much so that Darth Vader even isn't really like, you know, Han Solo in a way is like a step ahead of Vader in some of these things. Mm -hmm. But Boba Fett knows exactly what the fuck this guy's going to do. Right. And I think that's what made him so cool. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, Han Solo has come out of the asteroid field. They're suddenly in a big fight with the, uh, uh, with these destroyers and okay, that's no problem. We're just going to jump to light speed. Nope. No. It's not my fault. It's not my fault. And then he then then his decision is turn it around. Let's have all the power to the front shields. And, and of course, three PO is saying some. What are the odds of actually attacking one of these destroyers? <laughs> and on the destroyer, they're looking to fire at them, and the Falcon has disappeared. Yeah, and he's they're hiding underneath. Um, and Vader Vader demands an update, and our our new admiral, since the other one has been killed, <laughs> says, "I will go tell him personally and apologize." <laughs> These poor guys. I it know, really right? Is. And, you know, and it is it is an amazing thing that they do in this movie that Darth Vader is super badass and everyone's afraid of him and it comes across as threatening and it does make Darth Vader super badass and they also manage to get comedy out of it. They do. I feel like there's a play that you could write based on all these guys as they get totally. together and talk about like Oh, you got assigned to Vader. Sh- oh, oh, uh, dude. oh, dude, Tom. You're fucked. Shit. Like this whole thing, right? And then one by one, they each get assigned to it till there's like one guy left. That's the whole play. Is they're all talking, like trying to figure out like, how to get out of being assigned yeah. to Vader's fucking shit. Well, and definitely don't get promoted. Yeah, don't. Like, just like, because it's, it's quick promotion. Yeah. It, and you can't even say no. Yeah, no, it's scary. And this is the, uh, the amazing Princess Leia, you do have your moments moment. Yeah. yeah. You know, like... They literally just get let go with the trash. Yeah, it's fantastic. (laughs) And it's a beautiful moment. And I think another reason why Boba Fett is cool. And then Slave One also pops out of there and follows him. And that's just a badass looking ship. It's a really cool design. Like, it's just cool. Everything about Boba is cool and the ship, too. It's, It's the armor, it's the colors, it's the Mandalorian crest. It's all of it that makes it feel. And that he doesn't talk that much. Silent. Yeah. When he's that, when all those bounty hunters are standing around. He knows what he's doing. He, movement of purpose. And everyone else is like, Ugh, you know, he's like doing his thing. And I think that's the the mysticism of him, you know? Yeah. No, it's it's absolutely true. We're back to training. Luke is doing a handstand. <laughs> he's got Yoda on one foot. He's lifting up some rocks. Uh, but then he gets distracted because the ship starts sinking. Yep. Yeah. And he, he loses balance. He falls down. And he's not like, oh, we're never going to get out now. Um, and Yoda's. Basically, like, why don't you lift it up? And mm-hmm. Luke goes, come on. That's huge. Get out of here with this business. <laughs> come on. I can't do that. And he tries. And he fails. This next moment is so cool. And the music is cool. And the effect is cool. The performance from Frank Oz and his team on Yoda is amazing. No, this is like a perfect movie moment. Top it to is. bottom. Yeah, it is. And, it's, and it gets that thing, and like the thing that we've all said to ourselves, sitting in cubicles trying to get through our days, uh, you know, do or do not. There is no try. Yeah. yeah. It, it is literally one of the most yeah. essential moments and quotes of all Star Wars, but it is the, you don't believe you can do it, so you can't do it. Yeah. Right. 
it's it's a great moment. Yeah. Sometimes you actually can just try. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, do or do not, there is no try. It's well, a fantastic line. And he says what? He says, Size matters not. Look at me. Does me by my size, do you? Hmm? Hmm. And then Yoda shows him, and, you know, Luke is... And then Luke's reaction is... I don't... I don't believe it. That is why you fail. That is... That's the best. (laughs) That is just so good. I love every scene. Every scene on Dagobah is precious, man. It's so good. Yoda's just fantastic. That's why I consider him one of my favorites. Whenever he shows up. Yeah, he's awesome. R2's my favorite. Okay. He is... (laughs) It's because you're a sassy bitch. <laughs> I mean, I'm not, not no. <laughs> Where are we going to next, dude? <laughs> well, fortunately, fortunately, the Falcon has actually gotten away. Yeah. And we're looking for a system that we can go to. And the <laughs> What? Where are we going? Bespin? Fucking Bespin, Steve? Oh, this is it. Oh, I'm sorry. I don't mean to yell. <laughs> I don't mean to yell, Steve. It's going uh, to haunt you forever, huh? It's going to really be a problem for you for life. Yeah, it's just the number of comments you're going to get on this po- uh, on this podcast out of uh, we finally hit Bespin. Maybe now he'll get it. <laughs> so yes, well, actually, they think it's There's called Lando. Lando, Lando, Lando system. Lando system. Right. Lando system. Lando's right. not a system. Um, he's a scoundrel. Scoundrel. You'd like him. To be fair, he only says it once in the movie. So you know. To be fair, I know Bespin. Okay, fine. Um, I didn't know Bespin. Thanks, Steve. But we've established that I don't really actually know this stuff very Son well. Son of a so, bitch. So I'm not a good thing to compare <laughs> it to. Help my kids. Um, and, and and this question of do we tr- or can we trust Lando definitely gets left a little bit up in the air as oh, we yeah. head off to Bespin. Mm-hmm. Um, Chewie has some opinions on it. <laughs> he does. Now Luke is doing even better. He's doing the handstand. He's lifting up some big stuff. Mm-hmm. He's doing really well. He even lifts up R2. And then R2 doesn't like it. No, R2 doesn't like R2 doesn't like anything that's gone on. R2, R2 is like, I should have stayed on Hoth. Um, and, and, and Yoda's telling him, you know, the force will let you control things. It helps you see the future, the past. You'll have visions. And suddenly Luke has a vision mm. and sees Han and Leia. And everything falls down, including poor R2. Mm-hmm. He says they were in pain. Mm-hmm. And Yoda says the future you see. And now we have the choice. And while Luke's contemplating that, we cut back to the Falcon. Um, They're flying into Cloud City, which is beautiful design. They're being forced down by some other ships. He's asking about Lando. Nobody really is answering. We land. We're getting out of the ship. Nobody shows up. Where's Lando? And then out walks Billy D. Williams. Yeah. He is so cool in this movie. Yeah, he man. is. I mean, like, Lando Calrissian walks out, and he is the smoothest coolest like he just so iconically awesome in this movie that's why billy d pissed they haven't used him yet in the new trilogy yeah well he, he's he's awesome they trotted him out for 50 and he was not a happy man yeah. sitting out there watching han get all the love and he's like shit because he is <laughs> he is as cool if not cooler than han solo yeah honestly oh i think he is cooler yeah well, well he's definitely because he don't like, have that insecurity gene well, no, yeah. that's, well, that's yeah. my point is that yeah. Han actually has this like kind of insecure, scruffy, I'm not really comfortable in my own skin. He walks out with his cape and his he mustache is. and his <laughs> hair and he is yeah. like, he could he could convince anyone of anything. Right. And he immediately goes he's to the, He's the cooler, better Han and he immediately is like, who is this? Yeah. Yeah. 
<laughs> no, there's no games being played here. Lando puts it on the table right immediately. Well, and we also find out that uh, that he used to own the Falcon. Yeah, yeah. That that's how that's great. how Han got the Falcon. Such a great um, bit. And we we welcome them in, and uh, everything seems good. And three PO is falling behind as he usually does, and kind of gets distracted and sees another three PO, another droid, another and protocol then, droid, another yeah. protocol droid, and then. Uh, and then he goes into some place and he starts screaming and he gets blown into pieces, mm-hmm. which led to legit my favorite toy growing up when C-3PO came out with the original Star Wars toys, it was just C-3PO, but the C-3PO that you got when Empire oh. Strikes Back came out, <laughs> came apart yeah. oh, awesome. and Chewie came with a little black Backpack. bag yeah, and you could put I all the C-3PO this, parts yeah. in the bag, just like in the movie. Yeah, I remember that. Uh, here's a quick behind-the-scenes story that I love. So they're shooting in London, and Carrie Fisher is staying at Eric Idle's house oh, in London. Like because, you do. Because Eric Idle is away in Tunisia shooting Life of Brian. Oh, this wow. is going on. And the night before they shot this scene where they arrive at Cloud City and meet Billy D. Williams, Eric Idle had come back and was back at his house and said, hey, let's have a party. And they have the Rolling Stones and George Harrison over and apparently got completely plowed on something that she called Turkish, I forget what it was, Turkish Mm -hmm. drain cleaner or something like that. Whatever this, I don't know if it was alcohol or what. And And Harrison Ford was there too. And so they were all still drunk and smiling when they shot the Meet Billy D. Williams scene. Oh, that's yeah. amazing. Yeah. That's awesome. So, and now we're back on Dagobah and, and Luke has really made the decision to leave. And this is where not only is Yoda going to try to talk to him, but the vision of Obi-Wan Kenobi appears and is yeah. also trying to talk him out. And they're like, do not go, yo. Yeah. yeah. Um, and this is the thing. If you leave now, he could help them, but you will destroy everything they have fought for and suffered through. Mm. See, and this is where this goes. This is why I brought up the thing about does he really have dark side? The perception of Yoda and of Ben is that if he goes on this thing, he will be he will give in to the dark side. Mm-hmm. And that's why I kind of go the fact that we've never really seen dark side with him. It's sort of like, why are they making this big prediction? And to your point, I think I think their it's past more, experience. To me, I think it's, it's their past experience. And more, I think, is just that he's not ready to deal with this. Mm. Right. He's unprepared. And if they are both banking on. I think you're the one who's right. going to bring balance to the force and whether you're going to turn to the dark side or be destroyed, or this is just going to fuck you up so you can never complete your training. Mm. This is a bad move. This yeah. is a bad move all around. Now I always had problem with this as a kid because and this is clearly like carried into the way I handle the life as an adult is if I had that vision, I'd be on that X wing and gone. Of course. Like, too. like, like I'd be like, I'm out, oh, yeah, I'm out yeah, Yoda. Yeah. I gotta go. I gotta go. Your I gotta friends go. are in danger. Yeah. They're going to, yeah. yeah. Like, my ride or die homies. I gotta go. You know, you know what it is? I, I just figured out what my issue is. Is that uh, the way I always perceived what Yoda and Ben were talking about is that they have been given clairvoyance into the future and that they are actually seeing what is about to happen. Yeah. And because of that, what they're predicting doesn't really happen at all. And so it doesn't lead to a, dis- a huge, terrible destruction, Luke going there. Um, in fact, it doesn't have a lot of consequences, and so um, which we'll talk about when we get to the end. But um, but if they're just humans that are just thinking about stuff based on their previous experience with Anakin, then all of this makes sense. And also, Yoda literally just said the future is always moving and changing. Yeah. Exactly. So whatever they have seen in their visions is neither uh, more or less accurate than what Luke saw. Yeah. Right. And then, but Luke is going. 
Yeah. So Luke is like, no, I have to go, which, you know, I think we agree. I would, I would go too. And there's this moment. Yeah. You're still thinking about it. I, yeah. It would depend on who's in trouble. Yeah. Um, well, he said, you know, the future is, all right, you're fine. Fine. I'd go. <laughs> um, and uh, as the ship leaves, there's this wonderful glow that fades to dark and then comes back. Told you I did. Reckless to see. Now, matters are worse. That boy is our last hope. No. There is another. So In this red. trips me out because like this is like, so this is the whole thing. We are talking about this before that I'm like, mm-hmm. well... Leia kissed Luke, so they didn't know they were gonna do that. But then, like, they're like, "There's another," and I was like, "Well, but we didn't. What did they know?" That's what I'm thinking too. I had the same thought because, like, it's like, or did they have some other thought about that? And then when they were figuring out Jedi, they were like, "No, he'll will do this." But it's like, did they know? Like, it's yeah. so well, Yoda here, knew. Here's what. Well, but we we've always assumed that Leia is the other they were talking about. That's never confirmed. Anywhere. That's true. That's um, true. Is that what Lucas says, the reason, and I don't know, I don't necessarily believe this either. This is what Lucas said. He says the reason they put that line in is because they wanted to create mystery about whether or not Luke would survive. Mm. And so they put it in in order to create more tension, which sense. I don't think it does that at all. And it's also, it makes you go, who's the other? Yeah. And the other thing that occurred to me recently is like, well, is Ray the other? Oh, well, don't even get me started. Like, yeah, the whole, mm. I have a whole opinion on what it means to actually bring, bring balance to the force. Right. And I got a bunch of opinions on that, but I don't want to say anything until <laughs> 24 hours from now. Right. But I, Ooh, I, I look forward to that conversation so much, but yeah. I do, uh, I, I do not know that Luke is necessarily the one that does ultimately bring balance to the force or not, but that's okay. a whole bigger well, philosophical conversation. Well, and the thing too, and again, this goes to my point of, of, why I really do like Jedi, but why I don't think it delivers as much as, as, as I want it to is when you say, no, there is another in the second movie, you need to reveal what that means in the third movie. Well, they do. Well, they do. Yoda says it. There is another Skywalker just before he dies. He says yeah. it. Oh, he does. So Not let's only, Luke no, I mean, know. They, they lay it out. Right, but but we don't do anything with that. Leia, there is nothing well, done with Leia you being... You know what? I love that you have sat here and said there's nothing that would lead Luke to the dark side. I don't understand why Luke would go to the dark side. And then the one thing that actually almost brings Luke to the dark side, you're like, oh, we didn't do anything with that. The only thing that makes Luke go to the dark side and go crazy in Jedi is when Darth Vader is like in his mind using the Force and he's like, sister, yes. you have a sister. If mm. you won't join me, perhaps she will. And he's like, no! And that's the closest he uh, ever comes to going to the dark that's side. That's a great point. That's it's a great true. point. Woo! <laughs> I'm glad you let that out. I'm glad you let that out, man. All right. Building up inside of me. No, but that, that moment is great. And you're right. Who who could he mean, right? It, it's open to interpretation. But I think it's I, a great piece of mystery. And the, I, the I red do. lighting on him is a dark red lighting. And yeah. what does that mean? And we're back to uh, Cloud City. And... Oh, by the way, one of the other great changes they made when they redid the version was in the original... Uh, movie Cloud City was a closed off bunch of white walls mm. uh, and they went in and digitally made them all glass so that you could actually see the clouds of Bespin right. and uh, I think it's gorgeous and I think it's beautiful and it makes the whole thing gorgeous. look amazing yeah. um, and we're having a nice conversation it sounds like the Falcon's almost finished so I guess mm-hmm. that's going to work we're not going to have any problems <laughs> with that again uh, Leia's, Leia's worried about C-3PO who's disappeared mm-hmm. although they're not that worried but like Leia is questioning the whole thing with Lando from the beginning. She doesn't trust him. She doesn't trust him. So right. I know you said earlier in the pocket, uh, Han Solo's making all the right moves. 
She's telling him the whole time, like, we got to get the fuck out of here. This is not the right situation. You are correct. Lahan does have a weak, a blind spot where his buddy is concerned. I yeah. think because he sees I can Lando as almost. <laughs> I think because he sees Lando as <laughs> a bit of a mentor. A bit of a mentor. Oh, he's better at the game. Because yeah. he even says, when look at you, like you're in charge of a city and you're doing like, because they used to run and gun together. Oh, yeah. We just made a deal that'll uh, keep me. Um... <laughs> yeah, yeah, you did. And this again, and again we go to this point of this scene ends with the Falcons almost fixed and Leia kind of goes, and then you're going to be gone, right? Right. Um, she puts it on the table. Yeah. And that, and, and, and there's this moment of still this tension between them. We now know it's kind of been admitted that they are yeah. into each other because they have that great kiss yeah. but there's still this tension of like who is he going to be is he going to stick around or not right um and then chewy goes off and he's looking around uh for parts and he, uh and he finds those pieces of c3 and actually back to your original point of the way droids are treated and how like whatever again clearly chewy he droid a droid c3po to him is not just a replaceable droid right. because mm-hmm. he gets the parts and he's like this is my boy i'm going to put him yeah, together put like him together. fights off those ugnots to uh right. get 3po and he he comes back and uh he has all the pieces and that's when lando shows up mm-hmm. and even he it's it's again first of all he he's immediately macking on leia yeah. uh and then also oh having trouble with your droid yeah <laughs> even in betrayal my man got time to mac <laughs> Even in betrayal, you you do really when you really think about the timeline of this, it is kind of hilarious. Is that yeah. he has already sold them out? Yeah, so already the empire's there, right? And he still takes the time to hit on the person <laughs> who that he has sold out. That's a baller move. That's yeah. A baller move. Um. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> who Lando really is is he's a little more mysterious because yeah. there's some degree where I feel like he sold them out because he actually is a responsible leader of, of this. Of this whole city yeah. that he's trying to protect, but then the the flirting with Leia well, during it is sort of like, uh, and also Lando, and in, and again, a lot of the ancillary stuff I've read in comics and whatever kind of lead to this too. But like, and Lando does say this in the movie; he thinks that they're going to be okay. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. He thinks that if they give him this guy, he he's going to get his friends will be fine. Yeah. Right. So he's And he so, doesn't know this Luke guy. He doesn't know Skywalker, right? He doesn't know Yeah, so he he again, it's a it's a shitty move and it does bite him in the ass, but he thought in his mind as he was betraying his friends, yeah. I'm betraying them and this is shitty, but at the end it'll be okay because I'm Lando, I'm going to come out on top and my right. friends will be cool. Yeah. Right, that's exactly what he... And he's telling them, yeah, I recently made a deal. We're not going to have problems with the Empire because I recently made this great deal. And if we open up the door... We would be honored if you would join us. One of my favorite scenes and the second best Chewbacca roar oh, yeah. of all oh, time. Yeah. Like the, the Hoth one is pretty good, but this one is... Yeah. The anger, the well, revenge. Han draws fast and is immediately shooting at Darth, who, and again, with the forces expanding, what can do, blocks it with his hand, rips the blaster with some force pull out of out of Han's hand. And it's like... And, and Darth Vader standing up in that all-white rectangular dining room at the end of the table is just... 
awesome. It's yeah. fantastic. It's a great, great. Although moment. I did see a meme somewhere that was wondering like why Lando set the table for the betrayal. Like, <laughs> like, like why? So you put like you put out the whole table. You did the whole thing. Like and then uh, and then doesn't Boba Fett step into the shot? Like yeah, yeah. From behind, again yeah. being like badass. Like I'm gonna stand next to Darth Vader because I'm yeah. cool like that. Like um, and, and Boba Fett's not really that intimidated by Darth Vader, which we'll see a couple no. of times. Right. Um, again, I think one of the reasons that his uh, his stock goes his, yeah his stock high. goes way up. Mm-hmm. Um, Luke is almost there. Chewie, you know, we're in some kind of prison. There's some sort of really weird sound that yeah. Chewie is screaming at. I don't know why they gave him all the C-3PO parts, but they did. Mm-hmm. He's got them in prison with him, and he starts to uh, to put them back together. And that, and we hear the first voice where, where C-3PO's voice comes back and kind of calls out his last moment yeah. when he yep. got blown up. Stormtroopers! Yeah. Uh, we're going to torture Han with this weird, creepy, <laughs> awful machine. Dude. I forget. Uh, you always forget about. I this. totally forgot about. You this forget too. about the scream. Yeah, you forget about. Yeah, and scream. he keeps screaming. Yeah, and which is very reminiscent then, of of Force Awakens when uh, Ren's trying to uh, torture Ray. And then you get the uh, that they didn't even ask him anything. Yes, that's... they legit just tortured him to do it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which is which is also happens in New Hope when they bring that mind probe in to to, to yeah. torture Leia. You don't hear Leia screaming, but you know some shit went down in that in that yeah. in that cell. We've uh, that's how they get away with making a PG thirteen and bastards. Um, and Lando's pissed because they've changed the deal. Yep. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. What yeah. a shock. Yeah. They, don't make Darth Vader kills every guy <laughs> that mean... disappoints him. Um, uh, C three PO gets put back together backwards. Um, <laughs> is not not really grateful about being saved. He's just more no. pissed that he got put up back together backwards. And uh, and Lando comes in and uh, and he's trying to explain. Um, he tells them that they're after Luke. Han punches uh, Lando, uh, and he's kind of like, "Look, I did what I could. I've done all I can. I'm sorry I couldn't do better, but I got my own problems." Yeah, you're a real hero. And I think you do have some. You, I think you feel the grayness, the gray areas of his morality. Yeah, I mean, it's really funny because that that is a character that, when you really think about it now, like he shouldn't be likable. You should hate him. And I don't know if it's just Billy D or what it is, but like you still are like, okay, you betrayed them, but you're good. Yeah. Yeah. And he does, and he does come around. Well, he does. But also when you're younger, you're, you're angry at him because you love these characters. Some of your child, you don't understand this whole concept. When you get older, you're like, oh, this makes sense. When you're a leader, sometimes like what's more important, the needs of the many or the needs of the few, you know, Uh, Luke shows up. Uh, There's this, we hear about the carbon freezer and that we're going to test it on captain solo. Mm Mm-hmm. And we go into the carbon freezer. Lando doesn't like the idea because nope. he doesn't want it to kill his friend. Yeah. Um, Chewie is freaking out. Yep. Uh, Han settles him down, and he tell and the way of settling him down is to say, "You're gonna have to take care yeah. of the princess." Yep. Yeah. And he and Leia have a kiss. I love you. I know. Finally, right at the moment of possible death, do they fucking finally put down the walls, those yep. two idiots, yeah. and they have a legitimate romantic moment between them. She finally tells him how she really feels about him. And of course, because he's a swaggering son of a bitch, he just says, I know. Which was not the line. No. Yeah. It was an improv not, line. Yeah, not as written. Like, that's, but it worked so well. And it's the best line in the world. Right. Yeah. Well, and, and it's funny because we've been having this long discussion yeah, yeah. about the, these two people and how they feel is that 
Han has known the whole time that he loves her. Right. And that he's been trying throughout this whole movie to get her to admit how she feels. And so, although it was an improv line, it actually is a perfect capper of everything we've gone through. I love you. I know. And it's perfect in his personality, for his yep. character, right? But I think that moment where he tells Chewie, you got to take care of the prince, that's his moment of love for her. Yeah. And so I think that also fuels her to say what she says yeah. to him in that moment because she knows she's he does care about her. And they lower him down into this mm-hmm. freezing pit, huge smoke and steam, and we see Han frozen in carbonite. Oh, man. Uh, it's the second carbonite, by the way. The first one they made, he was kind of just sleeping. He looked very peaceful. His hands were by mm-hmm. his sides. And Kirshner was like, no. Yeah. He has to be screaming. He has to be fighting. Yeah. And it's so cool. I love the head shot of him just as it's like the pain in yeah. his face as yeah. he's turning. It really sells it. I uh, I got to see it too. The real Carbonite. Oh, nice. Because I got to, I got, we had a friend who was working at the ranch at, at Skywalker Ranch. Oh, I've seen it too. I have a picture with it. And, uh, oh, and it is there? cool. Yeah. Yeah, it's there. Do they give you tours so you can walk to the ranch or no? Well, if you know, you got to know someone. You, you got to know, know someone. People. So the person who knows you. Well, I know you, you too. Doesn't that help? No, you, I don't work. <laughs> we don't work there. Uh, but no, the person who knows you takes you up there and you're sort of their person and then they can walk you around and like they well. just literally have like these props just. Everywhere, everywhere. And there was it, Indiana Jones's whip, and there were lightsabers, oh. and there, and also like Norman Rockwell paintings and like yeah. original, Damn. like it. I, we could spend a whole podcast. It is a magical, wow. magical place. It's pretty awesome. Anybody listening awesome. to the Cinephiles who works at Arca Ranch, please, I would like. It yeah, too. You, right. you, you, you deserve a tour. You would love it. Thank you. We find out that he is alive. He still has life signs, mm-hmm. and so it seems like this. Let me ask you something, yeah. Steve. Let me ask you a question. Both of you questions. Because it occurred to me this time. Do you think Lando is programming that? Like, he messes with the buttons on the side. Oh, it never occurred to me. So, is he messing with it knowing that he is going to find a way to go rescue Han later and it keeps Han alive longer or makes him come out of the carbonite quicker when they have to do it? Because Leia is the one that puts him out of the carbonite using what she uses in Jedi. Do you think Lando set the thing a certain way so that Leia could get him out of the carbonite quicker when she goes to rescue him? No. Okay. It never occurred to me. I don't think it quite tracks because lando didn't know that he was going to go after Han. you don't think he has an idea that he's going to go after Han? i don't know no, I, I do i think i think in the moment he doesn't know what's going to happen uh so why I, does he check the buttons what the fuck does he care make sure he's okay why does he care he likes Han. it's his, it's friend. his friend he's he's bummed about what happened okay i don't think i don't think that lando i have two opinions mm-hmm. i have an opinion on what i think they were doing in the movie when they did that yeah and then I have an opinion of like in my Star Wars headcanon what I think happened. Right. Like I think in, in real life they're making the movie and they're like, yeah, and then you check and make sure it's fine because your buddy, you feel bad what happened. Because right. we've said in the script that you feel bad about it. So just check right. and make sure. Um, the opinion that I have of Lando Calrissian as a character, like he doesn't know what's going to happen to Han. But he's if he was going to do something to like be like, if I can find him later, this will help. Then maybe. That, that's what I think because, but Lando, that but that's headcanon stuff. That's Lando, not sure, sure. That, then that's fair. But Lando's always one or two steps ahead, man. He's always one or two in everything he, from Rebels to the comic books to everything to the books. And Lando's always two steps ahead, man. Well, not of Vader because Vader is once again mm-hmm. changing the deal. Yeah. Yep. Well, Vader's a chess master, man. Well, I don't know if he's playing chess or just playing. Fuck you. Well, <laughs> um, it, yeah, it's just he alters the deal. Uh, and, and and we already see that Lando seems to have some kind of plan. He's working. He, so you're right. Yeah, he's his working. buddy Lobot, who yeah. is badass. Lobot's a badass. Lobot is very, very cool. <laughs> I would like a whole backstory on Lobot. I'm sure it's got to be in some comic yeah. book somewhere. Um, and here comes, here comes Luke. 
And I love that they almost see each other. Like Lando doesn't, I don't think Lando actually sees Luke. I think he almost sees Luke. They yeah. kind of pass by each other. Okay, so, so, so while they're leading them out, we see Luke see them, uh, Boba Fett leading uh, uh, Han and Carbonite out, and, and, and Boba Fett sees Luke. He, he, he passes by at first, Luke thinks he hasn't been seen, and then Boba Fett leans out and starts shooting. They shoot back and forth, all this kind of stuff, and it, gets, it goes around. You know, Chewie gets involved, and then they grab, grab Leia. But when they grab Leia, she says something to Luke. She says, it's a trap. Yeah, it's a trap, and yeah. I think that's what prepares Luke to be ready when Vader's there. like he's already ready that yeah. something's going to happen with Vader. And then he comes in, and there's Darth Vader. Yeah, and this is this is what we've been waiting for. And I love the you know the Force is strong with you, young Skywalker. That was yeah. good. Thank you. Um, <laughs> but you're not a Jedi yet. That's like that's so so good. And they have their fur. They draw lightsabers. And I love that. I don't know if you can control the speed at which your lightsaber comes out, but Darth comes out slow. Um, and and what's interesting, they start the, the the lightsaber battle. And one of the things, great small detail, is that Luke is using two hands and Darth is using one. Yes. I think that is such a, that's just little details that just make it so much mm-hmm. better. Well, and it's something we talked about, sorry, but something we talked about on um, the the new hope podcast was that you know we you sort of culminates in this obi-wan darth vader lightsaber right. battle but since they didn't know where they were going at the time or how big things are gonna get like it's not the most epic of battles no. it's you know alec Guinness was getting old and it's like here they were like we're just gonna go ahead and make up for all of that yeah because totally. we're gonna be we're gonna get into it. and it's gonna happen in many many sequence yeah. sections mm-hmm. as we go back and forth because now we go back to they're the stormtroopers with leia and chewy mm-hmm. and uh 3po and lando and lando and his guy trapped them, mm-hmm. and Leia's going, what the hell is going on? And Lando has now kind of made the turn that we wanted him mm-hmm. to make. Like, we did like him, and now he's going to help them. And what does Chewie do as soon as he's free? <laughs> it chokes him. It starts choking him. It's so great. Um, and, and C-3P, of course, is like, well, trust him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, then, but, but Leia, without missing a step, is almost like uh, Chewie's her henchman. Yeah. She leans over and she's like, Oh, we're gonna oh we're gonna trust you. Oh, yeah. like tell us all about it, you know. And and he says there's still a chance to say Han. Yes. And and uh and off they go to try to rescue Han from Boba's ship. And they do not make it in time. No. no. But who they do find is R2 D2. Yeah. And I love C3PO's line. Um, at least you're still in one piece. Look what happened to me. <laughs> and here comes some stormtroopers, and we go back to the lightsaber fight. He, he, it's funny. Luke at the beginning of this fight is cocky. Yes. And he doesn't really get that Darth Vader is really just playing with him at the beginning of the fight. Mm-hmm. Doesn't really, is not really giving him some respect. It's the arrogance of youth. Yeah. And he says, you'll find him full of surprises and then immediately gets disarmed. <laughs> yeah. Um, he backs him up into the freezing pit. He falls in and Darth Vader is, you know, all too easy. Mm. Presses the button. Boom. Luke shoots out of that and pit. And it's such a crazy, like, like, <laughs> it like, is like a Superman moment. Yeah. yeah. It is so cool. Um, impressive. Uh, and he gets, he knocks the thing down that steam gets in his face. He gets his lifesaver. And I love that Darth Vader's line is Obi-Wan has taught you well. Mm-hmm. That is so cool. Cause he doesn't know about Yoda. Right. Exactly. Right. Which I, again, at, particularly rewatching this stuff with all of the prequels and everything else in my head, it, that, that makes, you know, the prequels are a mixed bag and then half the time you watch stuff and you're like, this doesn't quite track. Right. And every once in a while there's stuff that's like. Oh, Anakin! You don't know that Yoda's on Dagobah. Oh shit! Like, like. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and uh, and 
Luke makes it ends up down in this tunnel that kind of lights up, which made me think about the cave. And I wonder if that was conscious. I think it was. Yeah. Um, and he still seems to be confident. And we hear the breathing first. And again, here comes giant Darth Vader. Yeah. And instead of just attacking him with his lightsaber, he uses the force. And just hurls shit at him. Yeah. Yeah. And sends him out that window. I also had this diecast toy of this whole battle where you could like oh. the, there you would hit the thing and then the door the thing oh. exploded and then Luke you had a little you pressed a little button and the little metal Luke like would fly out of the thing. <laughs> um, That's great. And he, yeah, he backs Luke up. Luke has no ability to deal with what's happening now. Right. And he blows him right out of this window. Nor should he. Yeah. Nor should he. This is a master. This is a master Jedi who's been fighting for a long time. Right. The Sith Lord. Yeah, back with the stormtroopers and Leia. They're fighting them off. They're trying to get through some door. Uh, R2-D2 tries to override the security. Again, we see his Swiss Army knife powers, except I mean, this time, doesn't work. R2, listen, he does a lot, you guys. You need to like, <laughs> yeah. like cut him some slack. It doesn't work every time. R2, <laughs> R2 might be the most valuable member of this whole team, including sure. Luke. Like yeah. I'm just telling you, R2 is... No, absolutely. If I, was, if I was in a jam and I could choose one of these people to be with me... I'm choosing R2-D2. Isn't in Greek in Greek theater, what do they call that? Uh, the deus ex machina, where God comes down and solves the problem, right? Mm-hmm. Luke, I mean, uh, R2 is kind of like that. He's, he's, astro machina. He's astro machina. <laughs> like anytime there's a problem, you just Force lower him into it. Machina. Yeah. Um, (laughs) but in this moment he wants to tell r2 that he's that the city computer told him something about the hyperdrive and 3po does exactly to r2 what han has been doing yeah yeah i'm not interested in the hyperdrive it's fixed (laughs) um they get some doors open uh uh and they make it over to uh to the falcon and they get in have a little comedy with Chewie and c3po getting in and the falcon takes off and they're gone yeah Luke, on the other hand, is on this weird fin-shaped thing in the middle of the city in the kind of infinite fall sort of area. It is a really, really cool design. Because all floating cities have to have that giant hole in the middle. That just <laughs> It is so cool. And Darth comes out of nowhere. And the way they shot it, he just looks like a giant. Yeah. And Luke is completely overmatched. Well, he manages to strike a blow at Vader. He does. He hits him on the, on shoulder, the shoulder, upper arm, yeah. And that's when Vader goes ape shit. Yeah. And slices his fucking hand off. Yeah. Like, he's done playing. Like, yeah. when, the second he touched him, which is what we see all the time, right? We see in samurai films, we see in all these, like, when they're toying with the... It's all cool until it's, you it's actually cool. got a jab <laughs> exactly. in. And it's like, oh, oh, okay, all right. And then, boom. He's, so then he ends up on this thing. So he's got his hand cut off. He's, like, on this very precarious position, climbing away from Vader. And he's driven back to the very end. And then we get the moment. He's saying, come join me on the dark side. Obi-Wan never told you what happened to your father. And then, uh, you know, but like what I, I, I read this somewhere. Somebody told me about this, but like, so they didn't want everybody to know That's on right. set yeah. that what was the, what the big reveal was. They didn't so, want anyone to know in the world. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. So the actor on set says, I killed your father. No, it, no, he did. No, he, he said, he said, Obi-Wan killed your father. Oh, is that what he said? Yeah. And um, then, and so that, that was like the big reveal. The only person who actually knew at the time was Mark. They told Mark Hamill the truth, so like that, an hour before, like an hour yeah. before, like so that he would have the right reaction. Oh and then James Earl Jones, when he recorded the actual line, right? Because he actually right. recorded the line. But I, I always thought that was fascinating that they were like, the crew is not going to know, like yeah. nobody's going to know this. Well, and this and that is... was and this was before the era of spoilers yeah, and yeah. Twitter right. and like phones and like, yeah. And, and this is among the most shocking reveals in the history of film. I would put it 
Yeah, I guess you're right. Maybe number one. Maybe. It might be. You could argue. Well, it's so funny because now it's so known. And so right. you, it's like the big joke of the I am your father. But yeah, like when this happened, this was the what the... F- I, I think like yeah. the audience at the, had the exact same reaction as Luke. Yeah. I, oh, yeah. Obi-Wan never told you what happened to your father. He told me enough. He told me you killed him. No. I am your father. No. No. It's not true. That's impossible! Search your feelings. You know it to be true. No! No! And I remember being in class in fifth or sixth grade or whatever whatever it was at that time mm-hmm. and someone spoiling <gasps> it for another kid in the class and him just going what no you oh. can't no and it was so and it was like the first time i'd ever seen spoiler alert you know it's the first ever recorded troll yeah that troll right there um <laughs> yeah it was just just crazy but everything about this scene is fantastic steve right and, and michael like this, this his like, you don't know the power like all of you know how deep he is into it yeah and when you when you factor because to me watching it again, like i factored even more the prequels of what anakin is doing when he gets turned all this kind of stuff you can see this is what he becomes right this whole kind of he is so obsessed with and this what is this idea of ruling together why is it the power of two? Is it that legendary power of two in Star well, Wars? He says we can kill the Emperor and rule the rule the universe together. Kill the Emperor, rule the universe together. What is that about? Is that the way it works with the Sith Lords? Is that what has to happen? That is the way it works with the There we go. Well, and, and I think, you know, and this gets into a whole other stuff, but like, I think he hates the Emperor. Mm. You know? I think that's what, and, and, and this idea, what he's offering him, right. makes sense to Darth Vader. Well, and, and again, Pre, uh, it's this. It's yeah, I know. Pre prequel, pre prequel, post prequel. Given what happens in the prequels, for better or for worse, whether you like it or not, he does hate the Emperor because the yeah. Emperor straight up lied. He loved Padme. Padme went and had those kids. Emperor said everybody dead. Luke Skywalker's existence is proof that the Emperor lied to him. Yeah. So yeah, he fucking hates that guy. Yeah. yeah. Does Luke give in to the dark side? No. He lets go. And it's funny. I just I know this is silly, but the, the what does Ben, what does Obi Wan Kenobi tell Luke to do at the end of A New Hope? <laughs> let go. Yeah, and that is what he does right now. That's great, he Steve. Just let's go. Well, That's and great. yeah, and like you're like he he could you know it's like I mean granted I don't know that he really could fight at this point. He's got no mm-hmm. hand, and like things are not going well for him. But uh, you know, it's the he did get a little bit of that like you don't fight, don't be angered, don't give into that. Just yeah. just I'm yeah. disengaged. Like I'm out. Yeah. Well, yeah. what did Yoda say? Yoda said he asked Yoda, "How will I know yeah. what choice to make?" And Yoda says, "When you're calm, when your mind is calm and you're free of fear." And that you see this moment of sort of you know, just him kind of calmly going mm-hmm. no when he lets go. And he falls down what looks like the most fun, you know, water slide <laughs> of all time. Just goes down that chute, ends up at the apparently the bottom of the city has this little perch <laughs> and he's hanging on it and this is geographically and emotionally the low point yeah you cannot get any lower than he is right now yeah and he calls for ben you know he just calls for ben yeah and then he and then this is interesting right the call for leia you know yeah. what i'm goddamn it i feel like i'm i feel like i'm making they know. a turn they right? had to know they had to know because yeah. like 
that's not a that's not a like I'm of calling to my girlfriend moment. Like yeah. like he's calls to Leia and then Leia hears him because yeah. bitch got the force. Yeah. No, do you think Luke knows Han is in car that's Han in Carbonite? Even though he was far away, does he know Han is in Carbonite? No, I don't So why doesn't so. he call for Han? They had established that relationship too. He only calls for Leia. Yeah, I think I, you know what? Maybe they. Yeah, it's a force thing. It's a force thing. I yeah. think so too. So I think they did know, but I think they were innocent about the kiss. I think they were just innocent yeah, about the kiss. That's what I, I think. Need to give myself, and, I'm gonna give myself a T-shirt that says "It's a force thing." <laughs> <laughs> and of course, she feels him and says, "Luke," and goes, "We have to go back." Yep. And, and Lando's like, well, "Go back. <laughs> we just got away." I love Chewie's reaction. Well, okay, okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, He's so good, Billy D, in this film, man. Um, and Darth is heading back to the uh, to the destroyer, mm-hmm. and the Falcon goes to pick up Luke. And I love the way they did the hatches opening up and Lando coming yeah, out. That's great. It's really cool looking. Mm-hmm. Him latching on and yeah. grabbing him and all that. And Luke, the way he drops, it just looks very painful. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> the way he drops down. Darth arrives back at the Star Destroyer on the Falcon. We are ready for light speech, speed now or never. Punch it. <laughs> it's not my fault. <laughs> a great, great callback again. And again, we've got the boarding party coming, and we have one more big action sequence. And C3PO is begging R2D2 to just put my leg back on, mm-hmm. but instead, R2D2 goes and repairs the hyperdrive. Because R2D2 is the best. Yeah. He is. Um, and I love that as this is happening, is that Luke's lying in bed and he's, and he's says, having this conversation with. Darth Vader, yeah, right? with his dad. Well, first, first, yeah, Darth is saying reaching out to Luke, and you could feel the power of something's happening, you right? Know, to call, kind of, seems like he's trying to call him back. Well, also, he says to Ben, "Why didn't you tell me? Why didn't you tell me?" That's yeah. and that never gets resolved, by the way, right? It doesn't get resolved in Jedi, and does Yoda it? doesn't tell him either. <laughs> that whole weird different point of view conversation. <laughs> yeah, I was telling you the truth from a different point from of view. No, point. you were not, Ben. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this seems like no, Ben. If you wanted, if you wanted to protect Luke from going to the dark side, yeah. Lying to him about and letting, and you know he's going to face Darth Vader. Yeah, you're like maybe you should give him a heads up. Yeah, even Yoda um, didn't. Yoda knew, Yoda and Yoda didn't, didn't say him. anything. Yeah. yeah, it's a little bit weird, but mm. we do manage to fix the hyperdrive. We do manage to fly away at the last possible moment, finally, mm. and we were with the Rebel fleet. Much to Vader's anger and disappointment, which chagrin, turns, chagrin, yes, <laughs> chagrin, because he turns and that Admiral's like, oh god, am I gonna die? Am I gonna die? <laughs> I don't think Darth Vader's uh, management style is really that effective. Do you want to hear a great comedy bit based on this? Uh, listen to Eddie Izzard when he talks about being on the on the Death Star, uh, and Vader comes down to get lunch at the camp at the at the at the. I mean, I think I've heard this. This is so. It's like a six minute bit. It is absolutely brilliant because he wants his impulse when he doesn't get what he wants is to choke whoever the person is like. Like the tray's wet, the tray's too wet. He goes, "This is wet, wet, wet," and then he wants to, you know, choke the tray. And then he says, uh, "This guy asks him a question. He goes, who are you?'" He goes, "I'm your boss." He goes, "You're Mr. Stevens?" He goes, "No, I'm not Mr. Stevens. I'm the, I'm the one who's running this whole thing." It just, it's a brilliant little thing That's of what could happen. So, anyway, go ahead. All right. So uh, Luke is getting his hand uh, reattached. Yeah, which I which thought awesome. was super cool. cool. Uh, very similar to what we saw with the Terminator, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then we hear that. Uh, Lando and Chewie are going to go off to look for Han and we're going to meet in Tatooine and we kind of have a plan and we have this sort of last shot of Luke and Leia standing there. And it kind of pulls out on the whole rebel kind of fleet pulls out. and yeah. you just see them all there and that that's it. And like, I cannot imagine because like by the time that I was old enough to appreciate Empire and mm-hmm. like really understand what was happening, also I 
with Jedi had come Jedi, out. It was yeah. Je- Jedi, yeah, yeah. Jedi existed. So I, I mean, I've seen movies here. You know, like I'm trying to think of like the biggest cliffhanger that's come out. I mean, whether it be Force Awakens or whatever, but sure, nothing sure. quite ends on that. Han's frozen in carbonite. We're gonna go find him. Like no, it ends on a full low note. Yeah, yeah. Like Luke just got his ass kicked by Darth Vader. He lost a hand. Han is frozen in carbonite. The you know the Rebel Alliance is kind of off in space. Like we're, it's low. Yeah, but it's also hopeful because it is. They do manage. They're going to go get him. They're back together. They're again. together. That's yeah, what it really is. Like yeah. it's 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 the importance of. And again, this is like. It's so funny because the parallels to like Potter and J.K. Rowling and what she did right. with those characters, but it's like as bad, and, and it's a it's a through line through the whole thing. Like like Luke leaves because his friends are in danger. Um, you know, even with Lando, it's like you know, like uh, the way that Lando is like just watching the things that you were talking about. As soon as Han's out of the picture, Chewie's like, "I'm taking orders from Leia." Yeah, right. and you know, watching three PO three PO and R two D two get back together, like so that final shot. As bad as things are, and they're super bad, Luke and Leia and Chewie mm-hmm. and Lando and three PO, like it's like you know, it's like you're like, okay, like the gang has assembled and yeah. has a game plan, yeah. and they're gonna go do this, and. Yeah, the Empire's crazy. We've got to figure out this whole Luke issue with his dad. Like, there's some thing going down. But the most important thing is yeah. we're going to get Han. I could so understand why Lucas didn't want to be part of the studio. Mm. Because you can imagine the studio notes oh. when they go to make the oh, sequel. Yes. And they are going to say the end of Star Wars when the Death Star blows up was awesome. You have to end this movie with something just as awesome. Yep. And, and this is the opposite. This is going... No, we are going to advance our characters. We're going to set up the next movie. Then he did do the exact same thing in Jedi as he did in the first movie. (laughs) Absolutely. He didn't Um, direct that one either. He didn't um, direct Jedi. um, But but it is like... And then J.J. Abrams did it again. (laughs) Yeah. That that one that one hurts a little bit. Um, There's it, seven of them in. Uh, never mind, I'm joking. Um, <laughs> seven Death Stars. In, like, they did really. Um, is the idea, and, and it's funny because we really the only movie I can think of, but that's based on a a, a book is uh, Two Towers has a very oh, yeah. downer, sure. but that's like a trilogy from a book, right. Where we're okay with that. Is a you know maybe Captain America: Civil War has kind of very complicated feelings at the end. But not, not, but not like. But once again, those are, that's all based on stuff stories in the comics anyway, as well. So this is singular. This yeah. is singular. This has no basis uh, in already written form, as right? opposed so to it's amazing Die Hard Two, where you resolve it, and Die Hard Three, where <laughs> yeah. you resolve it, and and it's like I wish they no, and, and, and I wish the they point, just resolved it the after point where one. Empire Strikes Back has become a descriptor for yeah. that point where shit gets real. Like I remember when I first read Goblet of Fire. Mm. When I got done oh, with Goblet yeah. of Fire, yes, that three is- days after I picked it up, like I was like, it was book, like I just did nothing but read it. And I got done and I'm like, holy shit. That is that kind this of This is the Empire Strikes Back of the Harry Potter mm-hmm. books. Totally. Because Harry almost barely survives. Yeah. And 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 there's Voldemort. It's a yeah. shame because that movie's not as good. I know Goblet of Fire is my least favorite movie, and it's my out of out of oh, all yes. eight, and it's like my I love that book. That's, I think yeah, that's my favorite book of those books. My fifth is my favorite, but now we're on fifth Harry Potter, great, yeah. and I will. And be this has gone on too long, yeah, anyway. True. Needless to say, the movie was a big hit. I think we can all agree it made all of Lucas's money back in about a month, wow, um, thirty-five million dollars, and then went on to make more and more yeah. and more and more, and still making money. And it's still making money. And I think Star Wars created the world, but it is Empire that's like the foundation of the franchise. Absolutely. Oh, for sure. 100%. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Without Empire, if Empire didn't deliver the way it does, I don't think we have Star Wars the well, way we do today. I also think this is fantastically important, too. Uh, the Beatles and the Rolling Stones, right? The, the people, the two bands that people always argue about. 
Star Trek, Star Wars. What are the two best ones? It's the second installment. In That's both true. franchises of the originals. It's always the second installment that is the best. Star Trek 4. Okay. It is Seriously? <laughs> I'm, really just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> as, as, as I've watched them now, 6 goes above 4 now in my mind. But no, but it's fascinating that these two franchises that are really like divide the nerd world, uh, the, it's the second film that is the really the lynch. And they're both downers. Spock dies. Yeah. Fucking, but I think there's something about you that. You I think that, and look, this is, you know, you're speaking about executives, but I think this is the one of the true things of like, everybody loves a happy ending, but nobody loves anything more than an ending that makes you feel and punches right. you in the gut. And when yeah. you love these characters, whether it be Goblet of Fire or Wrath of Khan mm-hmm. or Empire Strikes Back, I think when, when you've seen these people that you've come to love uh, go through shit, and you're dealing with that catharsis. You're dealing yeah. with that, like you're you're processing this because you've just lived through this thing. Yeah. And particularly when they end and they haven't resolved it for you, you as the audience are left like you just can't wait. Like if everything was nice and Han had gotten out and they had said, Oh, we're all together, let's have a meal and next movie we'll get the Empire, right. you'd leave and you go, Okay, cool, I'm excited. Yeah. But the the months and months and years, you know, exactly. spent agonizing over, holy shit. I mean, it's what we're dealing with right now where yeah. I'm literally looking at the clock going, all right, so 24 hours from now, <laughs> I will be getting the ready theater, yeah. to go to the theater because I fucking can't wait. And you... <laughs> whereas, whereas I've already seen it, so I'm going to motherfucker, just I'm trying not to look at you when things are being said because I don't even want to see your fucking eyeballs right now because I don't want to know anything. <laughs> Well, and this is the. That's going to be a great the, experience. The, the, this is the thing about there's a there's a Steve Jobs quote that I'm not going to get right, but it, which is sort of like, why won't Apple give us what we want? Why can't we tell you what we want? And Steve, the Steve Jobs response is, well, you don't know what I want until I tell you what you want. Yeah, you know, and that's how Apple designs products. Mm-hmm. We are going to show you what you want, right. and there's real problems with that philosophy, but. You think you want the characters to be happy. Yeah. But in fact, what makes movies work is conflict and not getting what you want. That's what right. makes movies work. And, and this movie instills that. Yeah. yeah. And nothing inspires a, a water cooler conversation and ending like exactly. this. Exactly. That you anticipate. And I think this is what started the whole trend of Star Wars speculation. Like every time anything ends, it's like, oh, what does this mean? What are we going to do now? Blah, blah, blah. So, you know. Yeah. John Roca. Yeah. What are your final thoughts? I'll keep it quick because we've talked for so long. The, this film is a goddamn classic. And if you haven't seen it, you've you haven't seen it in a while, re-experience it. It still incredibly holds up. It speaks about so many deeper issues. And it really lays the groundwork of why Star Wars is still one of the most important franchise and properties in the world. Not just because of the incredible characters and the planets and the worlds that people are able to create, whether canon or not canon stories. It's the themes that they explore that are universal, the struggles, the uh, desire to do good, and the complicated things that happen in that pursuit. And I think this film really shows all of that. You can, and, and it works for you no matter what age you're at. You can relate to a character in the entire film no matter what age you're at. Do you know what I'm saying? And I think that's what's really powerful about this film. You can remember being Luke, but then you, you as you get older, you start to feel like Yoda a little bit. You start to be more knowledgeable about life and about the world and all these kinds of things. And you and like Michael was saying earlier, you can understand Lando's point of view in a way that you didn't when you were 11 years old or 12 years old. And that's really important. This film stands the test of time because it is so incredibly rich in, in detailed design and uh, uh, story. Yeah. I'm glad you kept that quick. <laughs> uh I think what here I, everything Roca said is true. 
Um, I think also the thing that I think is great about this is, you know, when you watch these movies today, sometimes you see these movies that are huge and epic and bigger than you could even imagine. And they're the, they expand the universe and they're world builders. And then mm-hmm. sometimes you see movies that really just focus on the characters and you fall in love with the characters. And this is one of the few movies that does both at 120% that in the midst of all of this epic mythology and force talk and galaxy wide battles, Mm -hmm. you're dealing with these character moments between Chewie and Han and Han and Leia and 3PO and Han and everybody else. And it's just, it's just movie magic. Yeah. For, for me, I, I, I'm a little, little lost for words. I'm Mm. trying to think of my final thoughts and what I keep coming back to is it's star Wars. Yeah. You know, and that, I love Star Wars. I can remember being in the theater when I first saw A New Hope. And this is what solidifies it. The yeah. characters come together in at a new level. The special effects come together at a new level. The scope of the movie is at a new level. And this is what... If I think of a moment in Star Wars, the odds are a lot of them come right out of this movie. Um, so that's what we think of The Empire Strikes Back. Of course, we always want to hear what you think. And we might even want to hear what you think about this new movie that's coming out in 24 hours or will have come out just uh, before I release the, we release this podcast. Literally losing my <laughs> shit right now. If you want to, you can visit us on Facebook at the Cinephile, C-I-N-E-F-I-L-E-S. You can subscribe to us on iTunes, on Stitcher, on TuneIn, on uh what was the new, newest one spotify oh on we're now on spotify yeah man on youtube we're taking over the world you can leave comments for us on all of these places you can leave reviews on itunes and you can support us on patreon at patreon.com slash the cinephiles you can buy all the movies we've including empire strikes back at our website cinephiles.net and as always you can reach me on twitter at sr morris john where can they reach you you guys can always reach me at the roca says r-o-c-h-a on twitter and on instagram and yeah, this has been an awesome podcast. I had such a great time talking about this film. Michael, where can they reach you if they'd like to? My home address. Is, <laughs> uh, you can reach me at, at MKTune on Twitter or Instagram. Do you have anything coming out? Like any books or any media coming out? Uh, no, I hope okay. you all enjoyed the My Little Pony movie in October. And I have some other things that I can't talk about right now. Fair. And uh, writing some scripts on several different animated shows with several of my animated buddies. Hey-o. There you go. Well, and that is it for week. Uh, this week, we will see you next time on The Cinephiles. <laughs>